This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves beating the Manx and even more when it's an FA Cup semi-final. Uh, I'm sure I was not alone in being somewhat sceptical of Chelsea's chances of beating Man United in Sunday's FA Cup semi-final. After all, they'd beaten us three times this season already and seemed to have our number and, of course, the support of the referees and VAR. Some, including our very own Liam Toomey, had called for three at the back and wing-backs to counter United's threat, but Frank's reintroduction of the 3-4-3 wasn't just what did for United. It was an absolutely brilliant performance from 1-11. to Frank got the system and the tactics spot on and the players executed it perfectly. The pressing, energy and commitment was superb and there were some great standout performances all round. We defended superbly and we put our chances away. United were never really in it. As a result, Chelsea are now in their 14th FA Cup final, the 50th anniversary of the first time they won it, and against old cup rivals Arsenal. Another case for revenge, perhaps? The only downside is that, like the semi-final, none of us will be there to see it. Anyway, the title of the show tonight is... Uh, for those of you who, who know the UK, and I, I don't say this with any kind of digs being laid out, but uh, take that and party... Chelsea Fancast, number 514. So there you go. Uh, take the piss out of the Manx wherever you can, JK. Is that a reference to uh, the pop group, Take That? Yes, the first, the debut album from the Britpop combo known as Take That with Manx, Gary Barlow, Jason Orange. Oh, very clever. And the other one I can't remember. Very astute young chief. We should have done that like Norwegian commentator pastiche. Gary Barlow! Mark Owen, <laughs> Jason Orange, your lads yes. took a hell of a beating. Yes. Marvellous. JK, uh, lovely as always to see you. Fantastic and to be on the show with such a cosplay, such, such, with some such esteemed guests that you're beating round to in a minute. And um, after um, such a completely 
wonderful, brilliant performance. Yes. Absolutely took my breath away. Even you were happy. Even me. Even me. Even you, mate. Even me, Chidge. We should bottle this episode. It Mr. may Mr. never Mr. happen Mr. again. Misery himself. The third goal went in, uh, despite being locked down on my own. The the neighbours must have thought, what is going on in that uh, titchy little bedroom that he's got there? Wow. Actually, that's a very good point. I hope they I hope they didn't think you were at the vinegar strokes, mate. That's all I can say. But uh... <laughs> well, I must admit, I did say yes a lot, so perhaps yeah, they did. Maybe they did. Well, maybe they're used to that then. They didn't bat an eye. Uh, I have to be honest. In the whole kind of lockdown football thing, watching it on the TV on my own, the equivalent of a padded cell, as people well know, I've been quite restrained, largely because my wife keeps saying to me, "When you watch the football, can you can you?" kind of like not use the f and c uh combination as much as you tend to do at the top of your voice because we do have really nice neighbors so i've been a bit conscious of that and i've tried to like be quite but yesterday i just lost my shit totally it was wonderful um now a man who's guaranteed never to lose his shit because he's probably one of the most patient calm and lovely people we know on the fan cast largely because he has to put up with me on a on a daily basis running our instagram account uh the very wonderful and the lovely long-suffering mr dane whittle Good evening, thanks for having me. Great to see you, mate. You're looking well. Yeah, you too. It's really nice to see you all. Yeah, I've been. I was. I was spoilt early on. I think I did three shows within a week, including the my Chelsea one, and I haven't been. <laughs> haven't been spoken to in about four months. Yeah, I had to I've, tune I've, in to find out I was furlonged. I've renamed you Tamori. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Start off good, then don't see him again. Yeah. Well, mate, um, if you think that's bad. Um, this this last well actually the the, the next uh, we've got a really special guest on the show actually I'm sitting here downplaying it or shouldn't at all we're really very privileged to have the next guest on not least because he's had to take the the afternoon off work because he's in you you still in Kansas oh yeah yeah oh, Toto yeah. is still in Kansas um but anyway I I I was bigging it up the other week saying you know what we're going to have somebody from the London is blue pod on we've never had anybody from the London is blue pod on. Nick WhatsApp me said, you are a tit, basically, because <laughs> I was on before. And I said, no, you weren't. I was. Well, I don't remember that. Anyway, he WhatsApp me again. He WhatsApp me the episode he was on, uh, which was on the 17th of April, 2017. Uh, Nick Villaney, who is our special guest tonight, was on the podcast, weirdly, Nick, um, after a Man United game, which I forgot completely as well. Yeah, that, that was fun to look back at. I mean, it, it just shows how um, memorable I was on the first one. <laughs> no, so. It just shows how senile I am, mate. That's all it shows. Trust me. It is no, really- great to be here, man. You, yeah. you guys know that uh, the, our, our London is Blue show is is an American-inspired uh, version of, of what you guys have done yeah. for a long time. And, you know, we love you. We love seeing you in person, and we hope 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 to be able to do that yeah. sooner rather than later I, I prefer you to say it's an homage mate that would be better okay sure okay as long as we're clear on that um it's really really i mean we are privileged to have nick on what those boys have done with london is blue just shows you what we could have done with the fan cars had we not been as lazy and unprofessional i mean i think that's i think that goes without saying uh and it's lovely to have him on and uh, i'm looking forward to the uh, nick valaney versus jonathan kidd voice off later on in the show and i'm also and jonathan will i can he knows what i'm he knows what's coming next i i am really looking forward to me and jonathan making nick say irony environment and warrior (laughs) with the correct pronunciation am i right jonathan absolutely looking forward to it immensely 
Um, are we going to have a fanfare when we're about to do it? Will we may, little... we may, if I can dig yeah. one out. Uh, all right, let's get on with the show. Uh, on the show tonight, we ask, is 343 the magic number? Was this the best performance of the season? And with Arsenal in the final, will it be another chance for revenge? And in part two, we give props to the insurmountable Mason Mount and King Kovacic. We discuss why Oli Giroud is a man for all seasons, and we wonder whether Frank should pick Willie or Kepa for the final uh, in part three. I'm afraid we do have to. Sorry about this, chats. But we look back at the win against Norwich and try to remember that points win prizes. And we look ahead to the Liverpool and Wolves matches this week and ask what has to happen for Chelsea to make the top four. And uh, in part four, we've got loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of emails. So I can't wait for that. Uh, and as ever, don't forget, you can listen to this show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And uh, don't forget, we've got Instagram and Twitter accounts at Chelsea fancast, so we're easy to get hold of. We've got loads of people in the room, in the chat room already. Uh, blimey, it's, it, it must be because Nick's on. We've got loads of people. This week. They're all Americans. I could, no, I have no idea is the honest answer. Kepler 4B, Albert the Second, Nobby Steelers. I don't think I've seen Nobby for a while. Andrew Self, Planet Earth is Blue, Rob Coombe. I saw Alan May's score. They're all in there. They're all in there. Uh, the John Q Citizen, he's new. Uh, the, the reliable MA, MHL Gate 14. <laughs> Uh, Claire McConnell, uh, I, who I love, I love her absolutely uh, as much as she loves Pedro's sea line. But she says, Chidge, make him say durable and see what you get. It will sound like a small animal. OK, noted Claire. And that's in the bank oh, for later. Chidge. Any uh, other words from Mixler yeah. they'd like Nick to try? Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, we're open open for suggestions now, so there good you stuff, go. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, Igri- I've walked e- into a buzzsaw here. Egregious, so. egregious. Uh, no, we could do egregious, that's true. Yeah, Igri- no, 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 but Igri, e- e- Igri who is uh, oh. in uh, Mixler, who, he says, I am new here. You are indeed. Lovely to see you. Right, lovely to see everybody from Mixler. You're absolute troopers. We love you immensely. Now, uh, after this very short break, we will be talking about the football. forget how how important and how great it is to to win matches that are really really important and I think before the season started you know we were all generally worried that you know our ability to compete for trophies and win massive games might might be set back by a few years but before we get on to the wonderful of it all the wonderfulness of it all even I want to talk a little bit about I think what really made the difference uh, yesterday and it's really interesting because um, you know Liam Toomey wrote a brilliant article um, a couple of days ago in The Athletic which seemed well he laid out perfectly all the problems that we might have playing against United and the way that they played with against us beforehand it indicated that it could well be a problem but he felt playing three at the back something we talked about the other week funnily enough when we went off the Sheffield game and going wing backs might be the answer um, 
And so it proved. I mean, the reality was the defence was so much more solid, uh, JK, and uh, Alonso and James were superb as wingbacks, weren't they? Completely, completely. It makes you worry, though, that Alonso can't play in any other pattern. But in the 3-4-3, he is completely brilliant. I thought he had an absolutely cracking game. Superb crossing, just superb dispossessing. But they were. I think it's unfair to single people out because it was a... It was a completely superb, brilliant team performance. But I will single people out because I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I can't help it. I just thought Giroud was oh, monstrous. But what what a brilliant piece of centre-forward play, old-fashioned, making Maguire look... I mean, he was... He, he, Maguire couldn't do anything else because he was so on top of him and so so much of a fulcrum for the forward line. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it... it it, what was so lovely was that um, um, because you've got three, including Dave, playing out of his skin, and I, we must really take our hats off to Dave, who didn't didn't actually have to have all the have the the, the crossing duties that we've been very critical of this year of him uh, um, because he's not a great crosser of the ball. Let's be frank, but, um, but I think he, he did a decent cross yesterday, though, didn't he, for one of the goals? Um, but um, uh, and you've got Reese James similarly playing out of his skin. You then realise that his his crosses are as good as uh, um, uh, <laughs> Liverpool player whose name I ever remember. Terence Trent's derby. Terence Trent's derby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you stay? No. Um, once again, uh, we've done that gag again, Chidge. Yeah, well, the, you know, the third week. If it run. works, mate. Yeah, but, okay, good stuff. Uh, but um, um, that whipped-in cross that, that he consistently does is just phenomenal. But he was a powerhouse. I mean, I, I was just. Us completely taken aback because we were so gloomy, weren't we? We were convinced they were going to get trounced. But clearly, um, but I, I think there was more to it just than playing that system. I think there was uh, um, that they all came together on a mission to uh, to put one over on a team that had beaten them three times, and they were all completely up for it. And uh, the consequence was a completely brilliant, brilliant putting them to the sword set up. I was disturbed to read in The Guardian that they've all put the whole thing down to Kepper, uh, almost said there, or, or the whole thing down to De Gea being useless. Well, it the helped. Whole, uh, uh, it helped, but, but I mean, come on, let's let's be honest. They were completely outplayed. I would say, I think Solskjaer decided that um, um, his, his, his attempts to match us and then rest the three players who'd been giving them all the all the, the the wins recently was was useless ta- tactically, but at the same time, I I, I still don't think they'd have uh, had a, a cat's heart chance in hell the way we were playing. The commitment, the passion, the uh, the, the 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 press, the particularly from Mount, who played oh god, completely wonderfully. It was just and Kovacic was. Just, we're going to get onto all of this. I'm I'm you know I'm just reiterating. Well, let's let, let's bring but one of one they of the boys. Bring the others. I've yeah. waffled on here, and they've got I all think these. You, you need to have a lie down. I think that you're overwhelmed <laughs> by how wonderful it all was. I, I, I do actually. Well, I'm quite happy to go now if you want. Let the okay. others take over. Been, Thanks everybody. Been a great show. Bye. Bye. Come back for the emails. <laughs> yeah, Liverpool, back. whatever. Bye. Uh, no, it's brilliant stuff. Actually, it's just, just so lovely to hear Jonathan so happy. Actually, it's been. <laughs> You know, he's been up and down a bit like shit. the old... We were shit against Sheffield United I and know, shit against Norwich. But so what we, the expectation... Anyway, I thought you were going for a lie down. Um, I am. We're going we're gonna to talk to Dane um, because uh, one of the things that really, you know, 
impressed me so much and and i think this has everything to do with mason mount who we will absolutely praise to the hills later on but um they were all doing it to be fair i mean they were all winning the ball back high up the pitch i mean jk just mentioned Giroud. Uh, Dane, but uh, there's some lovely footage of. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know. Kovacic, Mount, Jorginho, William, harrying them, winning oh. the ball, and the, this oh. is the key, isn't it? Winning the ball back high up the pitch and pressurizing Slabhead. That to me seemed to be the key, uh, Dane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very impressed. Frank tactically completely outclassed and outfought uh, Solskjaer. To be fair, in the three, previous three games against them, I didn't think we would we were outclassed. I thought we was okay. We was just a bit unlucky. But we were. That's true. On, on, oh, yesterday, the players' positioning with and without the ball were so disciplined. The closing down, the pressing, the pressure levels of fitness was very, very encouraging as well. You know, we was just all over them like a rash. I think Alan Shearer summed up when he said we completely nullified them. Yeah. He said that a match of the day. Uh, and I, I thought I couldn't work out as well if we was tactically fouling them like the uh, prime pep teams were so good at because either United, you know, a masterclass of winning free kicks or we was doing some sneaky little tactical fouling. But yeah, it was very, very impressive. But 21 fouls, weren't there? Dave? Yeah, and there were little... We, there we, were don't, those we don't, don't normally fouls. do that number. Yeah. yeah, those little fouls to break up a little bit of play or a little bit of a counter-attack and... Very, very impressive. Yeah, I was, I was very happy. I mean, uh, I, I should add at this point, very, feel very sorry for Eric Bay. Uh, you wouldn't really want any harm to come to a player on the pitch. But I was delighted to see how many players were getting hurt and injured, uh, Nick. That that filled me with great glee. <laughs> yeah, I, I could hear you screaming through the TV. Especially, especially, when, Fer, especially when Fernandez got one on the cock. Oh, man. <laughs> he, yeah, so their, their team are, are specialists in diving. That is an absolute fact. Uh, I do want to call back though on the three four three. You know, I, I think it's you start to see this analysis on Twitter, right? Which is, oh, I, just, I ignore it, mate. Oh, you're you're doing the right thing, then. <laughs> uh, it, it essentially goes something like this: Frank Lampard opens up Antonio Conte's tactics book and just copy and paste. That's not what happened yesterday, and okay. pretty much what's happened with him playing a three four three all year, right? Which is. The Conte system and the Lampard 343 are two completely different entities altogether. What you saw yesterday was suffocating. I mean, it was absolutely suffocating. The point that Liam made that I, I was happy to make as well, kind of leading into this match, is that if you know after playing United three games this season that they're going to do nothing but sit back and counter you with incredible speed up top, then you have to do everything you can to nullify that threat on the wings. It just doesn't make sense to approach it any other way. And when you have a player like Dave and you have a superhuman performance from Zuma and, you know, the both wingbacks are playing on point, it just leaves the midfield for United to have to conjure up something. And frankly, they were ridiculously unimpressive yesterday and Kovacic and Jorginho kind of did their job to the best of their ability. So all that being said, it leaves our three attackers up front to do a lot of the business. And I think when you look at, you know, what Jonathan mentioned with Giroud, you look at what Mason Mount did, and you look at the extreme effort that William gave yesterday, that's the difference in the game right there. And they could have played for another 90 minutes and not scored another non-penalty goal. I mean, that's just a fact. Yeah, I mean, they didn't they didn't deserve that at, at all in my in my book. And it, we, we might talk about that later, although I don't I don't want to be. I don't want to be unkind or harsh on on Hudson Odoi, but it was a bloody stupid thing to do. Anyway, um, 
the question is, uh, Nick, is, is, you know, I mean, this is this is this racked my brain afterwards. They were so good playing this way yesterday. I mean, and 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 I know we keep teasing this, but it was absolutely the best performance of the season for me. But they they were so good playing this way yesterday. My immediate kind of reaction was, "Oh, we got to play like this every week. We got we got to have this system." But actually, on, on considered reflection, my thought kind of went towards, "No, no, no. We play against this against teams." who can hit us on the break hard, who can win the ball from us in the transitions, which is where United have hurt us all season. You know, we, we it's horses for courses. This works very, very well against some teams. But, you know, I can't see this, for example, being massively brilliant against a team like Norwich, who are just going to sit there. Exactly, right? I mean, you think back to the earlier part of the season when Lampard went to the 3-4-3 and had the brilliant results away at, Ar- or at, uh, at Tottenham, right? The next week we play Arsenal with the same formation and they figure it out and he has to sub Jorginho on to play a 4-3-3 in the first half to, to get back in the game. So you're absolutely right. It's not a permanent solution, you know, kind of copy paste every week. I do think, though, for teams that have a fast counterattacking front three that just given our personnel and defense and, and the inconsistencies that have been this year, it does make sense to maybe play a Liverpool like that. It does make sense to maybe match up against Wolves that way because you know they're going to play a three-back. Is it the most effective thing to play against Sheffield, who are consistently drilled in it every single week? Maybe not. Um, so I, you know, I think it's just a situational thing that Frank is going to have to figure out. Yeah, sorry, Dan, go on. Yeah, no, uh, Nick Nick did get it right regarding that formation and Frank having to change against Arsenal. But after we put in that masterclass against Tottenham, the very next game was Southampton. Yeah. He started, we actually lost at home to them 2-0. He started the same formation and it didn't work. And then tried to change it at half-time and it still didn't work. A bit like Sheffield United, he changed formations Mm -hmm. a lot and we they actually nullified us really well. But like Nick said, a couple of weeks later, we played Arsenal and he he started with it again then completely changed it and ended up going on to win the game. Yeah, good point. JK, you're about to leap no, in. I, just, I wonder what inspiration Sheffield gave them. I mean, I, I read an article saying, in fact, that he was so impressed with the way that Sheffield played against us that he that he uh, attempted to get the team to play with that passion and enthusiasm. that they Intensity. Yeah, absolutely the intensity because he, he was impressed by it, which it was because we were we didn't get a we hardly got a kick in that game. So it, it and it, it's you. You can see that they learnt their lesson. If that's what he was doing, was saying, "Look, you just got to stop them from playing," which he succeeded admirably in doing. Hmm. I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? And and I'm and I'm I'm eating a, a a monumental dose of humble pie here in a way because, you know, Frank's actually been trying to do this all season. This idea of the high press and winning the ball back quickly in their in their th- last th- you know in their defensive third. Um, because, of course, we have got the players to damage teams, even though sometimes it looks like we can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. Of course, the irony being is this is exactly... that That is Pep Guardiola's Barcelona system to a T. I mean, if you've watched that wonderful film about the Guardiola Barcelona, the whole idea of winning the ball back within six... Se- if you lose the ball, you've got to get it back within six seconds. That's That's really what Frank was trying to do. And, I mean, you're right about Sheffield United... That's how they played against us. And I think any team, it doesn't matter who you are, if you if you have got players buzzing around you like wasps, angry wasps, trying to get the ball off you, 
you know, you're going to come under pressure and you will crack. I mean, Maguire, Maguire looked like he'd had a lobotomy by the end of the match, apart from the fact he probably had one before it. But, you know, he, he was all at sea. He was shot because he couldn't handle that pressure. And, I, I mean, the, the question really remains, JK, can, can they, you know, not, not can they do it on a cold Wednesday night at Stoke? Can they do this every week? Can they play with that intensity? But I, they don't play that well against, we've established against a team that puts the, the low block in, do they? They they can't unpick it, and they and they seem to be vulnerable to the ball being booted down the pitch and being run after. So well, I've I've got an answer to that, and that's that's. I mean, actually, this was really interesting, Dane. I, I don't know if you watched the the Arsenal City match, which actually was interesting. I have yes, to yeah, say, I because I laughed my cock off because it was like watching Barcelona play Chelsea in two thousand and twelve when we were down to ten men, and 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 they were trying to play through, and they were trying to play through, and they 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 finally got with the program and they started to go wide and put crosses in but they don't have a target man they don't have a striker uh let alone anybody who, who like Giroud for example who can head a ball back in the net and I think maybe this is what Chelsea need to be doing against the shit teams like Norwich who are going to just sit there and defend with 11 men behind the ball get wide use a target man be more direct yeah yeah absolutely yeah because obviously when in the Sheffield United game when we lost, yeah, we just did have nothing up front. You know, there was no hold-up play. Tammy was not coming deep enough. So the answer was, I suppose, when when he brought on Giroud in the end to go two up top, it was the game was already away from us. So it was like a desperate substitution. Yeah. But no, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, that would be a really good option if 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 Giroud stays. You know, it's a uh, there's a lot of attacking players coming in, and yeah. he... but he signed a contract though, isn't he? Well, Dave? we'll, we'll, well, we'll started Louise. We'll time out on Giroud. We, we're going to talk about him in part two, and I because I really I think he deserves a massive big up. I mean, Nick. Um, bottom line is is that given we've had our ups and downs this season, given you know, I, and I think United had have, have had the number on us this season. I mean, Dane's point was absolutely reasonable. You know, the the four nil was never a four nil. Uh, the 2-0, we were robbed, to be quite honest, um, in the league anyway. Um, given all of that, the fact that Frank Frank has proven, actually, and here's the thing, yet again, that this is this is no neophyte manager. This is this is a guy who clearly knows what he's doing, who can who can set I mean, actually you know what? I dare dare I say this, Nick. That was a Mourinho esque type managerial performance, wasn't it? A hundred percent. It was. I mean, it was a we're we're going to neutralize what you do best, which is counterattack down the wings with Rashford and Martial and Greenwood and all those types of players. And more than that, more than just stopping you, we have a plan to attack what we think is a vulnerability in your back line, and that's McGuire, um, who you know, I think everybody loves giving some stick to uh for obvious reasons, even though uh, he was let off the hook for a lot of uh, stuff yesterday. So I think it was kind of prime Mourinho from the pre-match press conference mentioning VAR, you know, and, and trying to maybe seed a little bit there um, in, in the referee's mind to some of the things that we did without the ball and the, the passion that was exhibited yesterday, I think was, was outstanding. I mean, the, the question that you asked earlier that we don't know the answer to is can they replicate this performance at least for the next two matches, if not three uh, in the final and see if that is possible. I mean, it, 
it seems like a lot to ask with the amount of tired legs that were out there uh, to continue to press up high like they were. So maybe you'll see a little bit more reserved type of three, four, three, but the passing angles were there all day. The width was there all day. You saw a target center forward who was able to control the ball and distribute it and score one of his own. It was a complete performance. And, and I think Frank should be given all of the credit that he was given blame for Sheffield yeah, well, <laughs> back on this one. And in a sense, equal, you know, that is the manager's lot. And I mean, one thing I always say is, well, the manager's not on the pitch. He can't kick the ball. So, you know, I think collective responsibility is fair enough. Although sometimes I really do want to shoot the players. Um, Jonathan, I have to say myself that that for me, given what I said, setting that you know up against it's a semi final of the FA Cup. A lot of these players wouldn't have played in one before. Uh, you know, Frank's first season, he's a bit under the cosh at the moment. Ollie's had the sign on him all season. That for me has got to be the best performance of the season so far. Uh, I th- I like the Man City performance very much. Yeah, uh, I thought that I thought that was actually possibly more concentrated because City can be um, ruthless. And I thought that we uh, we made very few errors in giving the ball away. Um, but but I, I, I think because of the um, the, uh, uh, the the seriousness, the, the the status of the game being a semi-final, uh, I, I would agree with you, Chidge, I think, on, on reflection, just because it was... Uh, the pressure was was huger just because of the the consequence being in a in a cup final, um, but it, it, it's uh, it'll just be intriguing to see what what tactics he does employ because tactically we were giving we were giving Lampard a hard time. We were saying he he'd lost it a bit the last few games, and I was suspicious of what he'd come up with. But uh, so I suppose it 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 I think actually it's it's a rather a milestone in his his managerial career getting into the final because it's and beating them the way he has, because it makes us realize that he has the ability to, um, to make the players turn a corner uh, and, uh, and, and achieve this, this, this tactical excellence that, that we were doubting him for. Uh, and I think this no, is no, kind you, of, a, you, it, you were doubting him, Jonathan. Yeah, that, that I specifically was doubting him for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely correct. You say, didn't you nod your head a few times though when I was doubting him, Chidge? It's a tick. It's a Herbert Lom lip tick. service. Was it just lip service? It's giving. a Herbert Lom tick, mate. Or was it? That's all it, it was. You get them when you. It's a bit like a gold service medal when you presented the Chelsea <laughs> fan cast for, you know, 11, 12 years or whatever. You develop a Herbert Lom type response. I to get it. I get it. So, yeah. And I read it as agreeing with me, but it's not. I get it. Well, you I, can read it however you want, mate. Oh, That's thank you very much indeed. Anyway, so I'm. Uh, I think that he, except, of course, he now mustn't lose any of the next three games. Well, well that we will be talking about in due course. Um, Dane, be- best performance of the season for you? Dane? He's unplugged. Dane unplugged. Oh, yeah. Hello, there sorry. Dane replugged. Yeah, I, I was nodding in agreement with Jonathan. I'm trying to think tactically. Don't encourage him, Dane. <laughs> oh, no, I was thinking tactically against the bigger teams, apart from, from Bayern Munich. I think Frank has got it right. I can't remember a, a team, you know, one of the top teams who've, who've embarrassed us or tactically been better than us. Obviously, if we include Sheffield United within that top six or, or top eight, he has... He has come up well against them it's the lower teams he has to find yeah. out like you said yeah. 10 minutes previous that formation to 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 unlock them but the, the bigger teams apart from munich we have we have really 
done well against. Yeah. Well, dang, wasn't, wasn't, dang, that's coming, man. Munich, we're turning around. Yeah, Four yeah, now. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Boom. Now, <laughs> I, I, I know, Nick, because we were, I, you know, I saw your comments on Twitter yesterday, but I know you agree with me that that's the best performance of the season. Yeah, stakes were incredibly high. I mean, you, not just because it's the semifinal, but you think about the top four race and maybe maybe seeding some doubt into United after they haven't really played that well the last three matches on the trot now. Uh, I think it was huge for Frank to get one over on Ole because um, I don't think anybody thinks that he's that good of a manager <laughs> at all. And Frank <laughs> to PE teacher. four times in one season, yeah, is not good enough. So, yeah, I think it was just it was good for player confidence because – there, there are three really, really important matches now ahead of us, and that will do nothing but boost everybody's morale and confidence heading forward. Yeah, and I mean, one of those, obviously, I mean, two of them we'll, we'll talk about later on in the show, but kind of whiz ahead to August the 1st for the final against Arsenal. Um, an intriguing tie again. I, I think that Arteta's doing a, a good job, actually, with Arsenal, I have to say, and don't ever underestimate David Luiz, who, of course, put the man-of-the-match performance in against City the other day. Of course, you know, for me, per- I take every defeat against Arsenal intensely personally for some bizarre reason. Um, the first <laughs> first FA Cup final I ever got managed to get a ticket for, and only then because I paid three times the bloody face value for various reasons, was in 2002. Cardiff. And um, I was not a happy camper after that. But I have to say, one of the worst experiences of my life was going to Wembley in 2017, fully expecting to walk away, having witnessed Chelsea achieve their second double in my lifetime. And and to, to see us not turn up and, and get outthought by, uh, you know, that insipid Arsenal side just was the end. I don't. I, I walked out with Pablo and, and Psycho Phil and we were just misery itself. We had one pint and then we all pissed off home. We were that fed up. So for me, this represents a huge chance for revenge, uh, JK. But I think for, for, for Frank Lampard, kind of picking up on what we were all saying a minute ago, you know, I, I wrote a blog about it at the weekend before the match and, and was saying that, you know, in some respects, you know, you, you could make a case that Frank was handed the job in July last year because frankly nobody no elite manager worth their salt was going to take on a club that uh you know has got a pretty dodgy reputation for managers anyway um had just lost Eden Hazard and they wouldn't have any money to spend so I know that Frank took it out of loyalty and love and all of that but good opportunity for him of course but I don't think there were many people who would have taken it so in a sense, Frank was kind of a. It's a bit like when you give your son a job, you know. Yeah, he's he is really good, honestly. He's not. Hang on a minute. It's not just because because he's my son. Frank's kind of had to go and prove that he is up there with any other bloody Chelsea manager, and he's good enough. If he wins this final, J.K., I got to say, mate, that trumps my need for revenge against Arsenal. No, I think it should be doubly, shouldn't it be, that you want the revenge and you want Frank... Oh, I always want revenge against Arsenal, definitely. Yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) And by the way, I can just say that final wasn't helped by the refereeing of um, Anthony Taylor being the most dismal pile of shit (laughs) we've seen. Well, no, we see him every time he referees. He was a dismal pile of shit. But um, uh, because the first goal, if you remember, was um, a handball by Sanchez and he somehow managed to work out that it was completely legitimate because they didn't have VAR then. He, he's well, the only referee who, every time he gives a decision and VAR seemed to, to overrule him, he looks unbelievably annoyed and disappointed. But uh, I digress. Um, uh, what do I digress to? Um, uh, I would be very keen for us to uh, 
to beat them because of that very day, as you say, Chidge, which was completely miserable. It, uh, and um, I, I don't understand why we, why the well, the team got a bit better in the last fifteen minutes, but it was um, it was too late by then. But what about for Frank? How important is it for, for Frank? Frank? Do you oh think? no, yeah, that's right. That was the question. Um, well, I, I actually think he's the he was he's the perfect manager for the situation because if they hadn't had the transfer ban, as you say, somebody might have been interested in taking the club over, would have insisted in making it in their own image. So would probably have attempted to buy several players who'd already played for them that would have ousted uh, the kids and the youth. And whereas because he was working with Jody, then you've got, you know, the setup is absolutely perfect for him. Him And he's a, he's a club icon for using the youth and, and attempting to, 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 um, uh, use the very people that, um, uh, that Roman had set the Academy up for. And, uh, um, so you've got that sympathy. You've got the sympathy of the the youth themselves, realizing they're playing with possibly the best Chelsea player ever. Um, they're having him as their manager, and in a sense, um, uh, it, it is the perfect setup because uh, any other manager, as I say, would have undoubtedly attempted to do exactly what every other previous Chelsea manager has done, which is to buy um, as many lopsided individuals as possible and keep all the youth out. So, um, but once again, this is with hindsight. Because uh, considering, um, because Frank has done immensely well, I think he was on a hiding to nothing. I think he could have, uh, if he'd failed to to be so good at the beginning of the season, which set him up well. I think we'd have all been uh, well. We're not we wouldn't have been crying for his head because we expected them to finish tenth and not do very well. We've yeah. given him that leeway, but the very fact that he's now um, uh, very likely to finish fourth. And by the way, what you said about Man United, I hope they're not too put off because I want them to really whop Leicester, in which case we don't have much problem about winning these next two games. But he, to me, um, uh, he's actually proven himself now by by winning yesterday. I don't even think necessarily he has to win the, the final. I think he's proven that this is an absolutely wonderful season for him and he is the man for the job. I think it's um, superb. And I think given the fact that they're likely to to, to, to buy at least two more top players. I think we're in for a fantastic season next year. Yeah. Uh, Dane, uh, English Dan, uh, one of our beloved Mixler contributors, says, should Frank be in the chat for manager, the manager of the season if we win the FA Cup and secure top four finish? I mean, I think he should be in the picture anyway, but what do you think? Oh, can I answer that without my blue-tinted glasses on? No, but no, keep, keep them on, mate. Uh oh, Yes, yeah, yeah. Why not? Uh, again, he gets so much stick on that fucking Twitter. It annoys the life out of me. Uh, it seems like people just wait there for, like most of the players, for a performance just to write something negative. Uh, and again, maybe I've got the glasses on because he is a club legend. Uh, he should be in, in in the talk for the manager of the year. You know, just before the Man United game, I kept on hearing all the outlets saying how much of a good end of the season it was going to be for Manchester United. But Chelsea was struggling, even though we was above them in the league and both eyeing for the cup final. Well, now we've got to the cup final. How comes our, our season is not successful and, and, and sparkling and everything else they were saying about Manchester United? Yeah, he should. He should be, you know, take away probably the best player in the league. No money even though the pull of six sort of the deal was agreed earlier, but he still came in. Yeah, I think he should be in the shout. They'll probably give it to 
freaking Klopp though, knowing them. No, they give it. Oh yeah, Klopp and Wilder might get it as well, won't he? No, so I, I, I think Wilder is a, is, a, is a really good shout. Nick, what what do you think? I mean, number one, how important is it for Frank to win the FA Cup? Apart from that, we all want him to. And and you know, what about Manager of the Year? None of us want to win the FA Cup as much as Frank wants to win the FA Cup. So I think we should just put it out there like that. If you don't think they're going to come out guns blazing for that final, you know, I, th- I think we, we're going to do all right, um, even though Arsenal are playing better and should be noted. Uh, they are a much different team than the two kind of close results that we had earlier in the season. So it will be a battle, but uh, you, you would assume that Frank is going to have a really good team talk for that one. Um I think if I had to pick the manager of the season, just Premier League myself, it would be Wilder, Klopp, and then Frank, probably in that order. I think you guys made the point two weeks ago on the on the post-Sheffield show that what he's done post-promotion is absolutely nuts. I mean, and of course, I think some of their results are buoyed by the fact that the middle part of the table has been so terrible and inconsistent all year you know it's Mm. been the weirdest kind of top four race that we've seen in a long time but it's also kind of a marker as to how they play and their identity frank will get there i think there are probably a couple results this season that you look at and you're like "Mm." you know maybe you know has he been outclassed a couple of times by some of the lower you know opposition potentially but given all the criteria that you just put out there no hazard all youth talent, no signings, and you know, kind of a weird end to the season. Like he should certainly be up there. We've only lost two of our last nine matches. So, I mean, you know, the well, I you know, I think we can agree that the Norwich performance wasn't spectacular by any means. It was still a win. So, um, yeah, I think I'd put him up there. Well, there we go. Uh, unanimous thumbs up for Frank Lampard. What a what a what an amazing surprise! Who who would have thought that three <laughs> Chelsea fans would be so behind? Sir Frank of Lampard. Uh, goodness gracious me. Right, we're going to have a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the players specifically, really. Um, Mount, Mason Mount. I mean, I, I, you know, I know that, that Nick and the London is Blue Boys like coming up with their little aphorisms, shall we say. Uh, I've come up with one to rival London is Blue. Me and Marco have decided that we need to have a Mason of the Match Award every week, which, Ooh. of course, will always be won by Mason Mount. <laughs> Uh, because he deserves it. But uh, he was fantastic. Uh, Kovacic, I thought, was excellent. There's so many. Giroud, two, William, all of that lot. We're going to be talking about it in part two. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper chels. Okay, uh, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast Part 2. Uh, I am Stamford Chidge. Uh, I've got, as ever, the Right Honourable Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. Uh, I've got uh, Mr Dane Whittle, who is the uh, master of all things Chelsea Fancast Instagram. Evening. And uh, I have the Vice President uh, of the London is Blue podcast, a USA Chelsea podcast. Am I right, Nick? That is correct. Yeah. I, I was very careful to say, I didn't want to say you're the Pence of the London is Blue podcast. That would have been very appalling be of a, me. Have you given break. yourself that title, Nick? 
vice no, president. <laughs> no, in fact, I, I wouldn't even be a cabinet member on our show. So yeah, okay. No, I just wondered if we could give ourselves ourselves titles. <laughs> well, you know, the Yanks. You, I don't know if you've ever. I mean, you've worked with a fair amount of Yank companies. I'm sure you have, J.K. But everybody's a VP in a bloody American company. I've never yeah. worked that one we out. Could, could we do that? Can we do that on the fan? Yeah, you, you can be my VP. All right. Can I? But what's it stand for? <laughs> Very peculiar. I thought it would. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Okay. It was pretty good busking on the hoof. Yeah. Comedy. Yep. Comedy every minute on this comedy, show. Mate. Da, 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 comedy. Okay. Uh, but also football. And uh, the first thing, as I said, um, I mean, I'm going to read you out this. This. This is. This is uh, Mason Mount uh, after the match yesterday, when interviewed. He says, you always want to turn up in big games. I always want to score goals and create assists. Very happy to score today. We want to finish top four, and then we can focus on the game back here. Mason Mount, uh, the winner of the Mason of the Match Award, and only 21. And I have to say, Nick, because I know he's a close personal friend of yours. I keep seeing the pictures every five minutes on Twitter. That one picture. <laughs> yeah, you never, you never ever allow us to forget this fact that you've touched the hand of Mason Mount. Thankfully, pre-COVID, I hasten to add. But here's the thing about Mason Mount. He is undeniably the foundation upon which Frank Lampard wants to refashion this Chelsea side. When he plays well, Chelsea play well. He's the only one... We were talking earlier on, weren't we, about can Chelsea keep up this intensity every week? Can they press people? Every game that Mount plays, that is how he plays. He's 21, Nick. Jesus, what a player. Yeah, I mean, think back to what you were doing at 21. And it, uh, uh, it not, none of it, I couldn't broadcast any of it, actually, because most of it was highly <laughs> dubious. Actually, I was a rather creative midfield player, actually, when I was 21. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, Nick, sorry, but I have no, to have a, have a riposte to that. I was, I'd kind of retired from football by then for kind of George Best reasons. Well, you watched him and felt inadequate. No, no, <laughs> you know, uh, no other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Right, 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 right. Sorry, I, Nick. I was being very innocent then, wasn't I? I was you were bless naive. You. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think first point on Mason. Uh, he has, I think, firmly cemented himself as as Chelsea's player of the season for me. Uh, whereas Kovacic was probably prior to the break. Um, he has this unstoppable energy and enthusiasm. And I think as you look to what Chelsea can and will become over the next three to five years, it's hard to envision a scenario without him in that. Um, and I, and I think that's just a credit to his work ethic. It was interesting yesterday and thinking back to the times that he played on the left in a three, four, three, how much more involved in the goals that he does, you know, sometimes when he drops back as an eight, he's just becomes more of a utility player. Um, and so I don't really know what his best position is. And I think that's okay for right now. He still has a ton of time to kind of figure that out and seems adaptive to whatever Frank wants to do, uh, which is you know only good for his career prospects, but the energy, the pressing, the fact that he intercepted the ball in midfield, made the right read, and, of course, got incredibly lucky from De Gea that he palmed it into his own net. But still, none of that – that last sequence doesn't happen without the sequence before, which is him doing the hard work off the ball. And he should be given 
all the plaudits uh, in the world this season because without him, you shudder to think, Chidge, about where we would be. It's a, probably not a great scenario. I mean, uh, Dane, the, the, the great thing about Mason Mount for me is that, you know, we didn't know how... I mean, you know, the, in a sense, you know, in terms of talent, raw talent, we've all been bigging up uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and, of course, hudson Adoy, both of whom... I mean, I think Ruben did really well last year, actually. hudson Adoy broke onto the scene. Uh, Tamori won Derby's... Uh, player of the season last year not Mason Mount but out of all of the young kids he is the one I mean a lot of the youngsters that we've had playing for Chelsea in the last few years few and far between though they may be most of them have always looked like boys playing with men they've looked they've looked out of their depth they felt unsure about how to express themselves and their ability Mason Mount has hit the ground running from the word go and he's been a permanent fixture. In the, I mean, nobody has made more appearances than Mason this season. He looks totally at ease, totally comfortable in the game. If he hasn't a setback, he bounces back. I mean, Jesus, again, what a player. Yeah, big fan of Mason. I think that's a really good shout by Nick to say potential to be player of the year. The more thought you give it. Uh, yeah, obviously, I know he was, he was injured. He had a big, big period out at Derby, so... Sort of in the middle of the season, watched a few games of him at the Test, sort of hype, saw a couple of games at Derby, but people was hyping him up on that bloody Twitter. And I think they need to show a little bit of responsibility because then you get the idiots who turn on him, not expecting him to be this if if he if his levels drop. But you know, watching him yesterday, first five minutes he looked a bit rusty. I didn't know if it was the formation, but after about 15, he came into it. He came into it, and as the game progressed, you know, he was outstanding. His performance, his position, and his pressing, his desire I could go on. He deserved his luck with the goal. Uh, personally, like, again, sorry to mention Twitter again, I'm showing less and less interest in it because I don't see how anyone can look at how he has performed this season and criticize him. Uh, he's he's instrumental to the way Frank plays, and um, yeah, big fan. And, and most, you know, nine times out of ten, I'd have him on the the eleven. Quite right too, J.K. Dane, have the have the William haters uh, gone away on Twitter because he's just been putting in um, performance after performance of excellence? Again, sorry, uh, yeah, again, it's, it's I, 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 you know, I, I read people's tweets, gritted teeth, and. You know, like Dave, like Mason, you know, as fans, we have a right to criticise performances if we don't think they're up to the standards. But I think people wait there with a pad and a pen for something negative on a certain probably handful of players, Mason, William, Dave. And, you know, they just, as soon as they do something wrong, that's it. Tweet, tweet, tweet. It's fucking annoying. Yeah, and I've just been, uh, uh, because almost my, my view would be that William is also up for player of the year. I think he's just been completely phenomenal. And uh, with the amount of effort he's put in, as well as being such a skillful player, and I, I just wish they'd come to a conclusion about whether he's going to be carrying on. If he ca- well, they have J.K. He wants have- three. They've offered two. No, He'll no, I off. know, but I'm, what I'm saying is, well, that's what we've heard, but but um, it hasn't been uh, resolved, has it? No, but that's because he's he made a commitment to, which I think was lovely of him, really, to to because um, this Stay is the thing the about William. Season, people yeah, people get him all wrong. I th- I think I think he's. You know, he's he's not the best player we've ever had in that position. He can be mind-bogglingly infuriating. But I'll tell yeah. you what, William, William I, I mean, this is this sounds as though it's a, a racial slur and it's really not meant to be, but like a lot of Brazilian players I've seen, 
you know, they they tend to like do what they like, disappear a lot. William doesn't. He always puts in a hundred percent, always, and he's always put in a hundred percent for Chelsea, and and that that makes him quite unique in my experience amongst Brazilian players who've come over here. A lot of them for the dollar. Um, I tell you what, I was wondering, J.K. You know what what I put in the script was. I wonder if we're kind of brewing up for a bit of a William Swan song because I, I, for one, think that he he will go. I think he'll go for a, a final payday. Uh, I think he can see the fact that the likes of Zayech and Werner are coming in, that that Hudson Odoi and Pulisic are already there, uh, and I think I think fair play to him if he does. But I, you know, being William, I think he'll want to do a bit of a hazard and go out with a bit of a bang, and maybe that's why he's having such a good season. Or he's uh, putting himself in the shop window. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he he pretty much he he does this every season. I mean, okay, sometimes they're better than others, of course. But I, I don't think you can ever criticise his effort. Can I may I just ask a moment about what everybody thinks about the fact that at the beginning of the season, when we surprised everybody by being so uh, remarkably um, entertaining and attacking, uh, Mount had the same energy. Um, as did the whole team, but it just seemed to be the pressing was very similar to the way he played at Derby, and the pressing was very similar to the way that 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 um, that, that Lampard had, had set them up, and and we looked to be um, a team apart, and that was when Tammy was on fire, and it's almost as if the season has had to evolve into a slightly different structure, and yet Mason has then come to the fore again, and there was a period where he just seemed to lose energy a little bit. Uh, but he now has become, as you say, completely integral. But I, I wondered what um, this, this, the whole process of pressing. To me, in that game, that was the most pressing that we've been doing since the, the opening games of the season. And I wondered what, whether why Frank had gone through a kind of transitional period where he ceased to do that, and they all stood off a bit more. Was that was that down to just energy levels, just to being knackered? Was that down to uh, this was pre? This was pre-COVID, obviously, but but even then, that was the most pressing that we've done, and it was, and that was the the best, most successful um, consequence of doing it, because that it was, or whether this is a one-off. My fear slightly is that they were g'd up for this, or is it necessary? Will they will they still be doing the pressing? Because they've they've if if with inspired by him, they're a really good. It's really good to get them working as passionately as this. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens against Liverpool, even what system he plays. But regardless, Mason is 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 absolutely integral to it. Nick, I, I think the pressing so pressing is like two factors, right? It's total commitment from the entire team working as a unit, because you can't just do it with two people up front and call it a day. I mean, I think the most important part of the press yesterday came from Kovacic and Jorginho in midfield. Yeah who were playing yeah. the wave up, right? You know, it's it was enough for, you know, William and Mount and Giroud to kind of press up on uh, Slabhead, affectionately known. But then he had to distribute the ball somewhere. And as soon as he did into the midfield, Kovacic, Jorginho were right on him. Yeah, and then definitely. Dave came up and then the wings were up. And it, it was a whole unit thing. So the question is, do you have that commitment from everybody every game? And do you have the legs to do it? And I don't know. Do you don't need really to do it? That. Do you need to do it if Conte plays? I don't think Probably you do. Not. I don't no. think you do because he's so much more solid. You can still press. It's just it was the running at the goalkeeper and the running at everybody with the ball was something that I hadn't seen since the beginning of the season mm-hmm. when we were so successful. 
you take the fight to them essentially because we we had waited for them to just counterattack us the three previous games they played against us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played in their half, they counter, they score. That was they the part, that they was part the... the bus basically, didn't they? I think it's an interesting point you make about Kante, who of course was out out injured for a lot of the period you're talking about, JK. But Nick's right, isn't he, Dane, about uh, Kovacic and, and Jorginho. You know, let's be fair here. I thought he had a monster mm-hmm. game as well. Um, and uh, and James, again, one of the best games I've seen him play for Chelsea. And, of course, Alonso, we, you know, he does exactly what it says on the box. You know, we know we know he's a great player there. Um, they were just all absolutely massive yesterday. But Kovacic, I think, d- deserves singular praise. I mean... His tenacity and ability to win the ball back and then charge oh. forward was just phenomenal, Dane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Mason, he was tactically on point. He drives the ball so well and leaves players dumbfounded, like leaves them in the smoke. He has this amazing, also has this amazing trait where he can turn, as they used to say, on a sixpence and uh, completely turn the, the play. It looks like it's going down one side of the pitch and when in seconds he's turned his body either moved it central or move it to the right you know in the blink of an eye like 180 degrees is amazing you know uh very impressive Kovacic sometimes the odd five yard pass he'll give away and he and when he plays like deeper like in the Jorginho sometimes that pressing takes them too far then you can get in behind him which I think we noticed a lot uh, when we lost to Everton, I think Kovacic was playing a deeper role and he kept on being attracted to the ball. But yesterday, wow, they all from 1 to 11. Amazing. Repressing. Jonathan's right. It's, was it a one-off? When we went... Well, did we, was it an 11 game unbeaten run we went on when we was pressing so I well? I remember. But yeah, <coughs> as we haven't seen anything like that for no, we a couple have of we? months. No, I can never remember stats like that, Dane. Um, but one man we haven't mentioned, although, you know... Uh, he did get a mention earlier on, actually. But uh, the man that I'm going to call uh, the the bearded wonder, J.K., which is oh. ni- neither Nick or myself, <laughs> I have to be honest here. Uh, but it is the the beautiful, or as Brendan Rogers might say, beautiful, beautiful man, beautiful man, <laughs> Olivier Giroud, beautiful man. He is. He's a beautiful man. I, I've got a bit of a man love for Olivier Giroud. But what a bloody player. I tell you what, JK, I mean, we've talked about this a lot because we're old gits, so we're bound to bring in the experience card now and again. Um, you cannot beat a bit of experience up front. What I love about Giroud is that, I mean, you know, the way he absolutely physically monstered uh, Bay and... Uh, and slabhead yesterday, yeah, uh, and 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 got so many fouls. I mean, I'm you know Tammy Abraham, oh. who I'm not, I'm not. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a hundred percent convinced of yet. I mean, you know, he's young. This is his first year in the Premier League. I get all of that, so I'm not beating beating on him. But Tammy Abraham needs to learn as much as he can from Olivier Giroud yes. about being a world class striker. Playing the kind of game that he does, but for me, which is which is within, hang on a minute, which is within his limitations. You know, you know what you're going to get from Ollie, but I tell you, mate, there are a few better in the world at playing the way he plays that role, and he he's been fantastic. Six goals in seven games for us since the restart, J.K. But it was like watching old-fashioned centre forward play. Yes, which is the the ability of the centre forward to to scrap with the centre half, but legitimately. And occasionally, um, Dean didn't think... Uh, Sometimes get them to head each other's head. Indeed, indeed. So he's really putting it about. And I, well, the, the person who used to do that with um, 
um, occasionally employing the dark arts, but occasionally having the dark arts employed against him. So it was mostly the commentator would say, oh, six of one, half a dozen of the other, always was, of course, Sparky Hughes, who was, <laughs> yes. um, was equally skillful um, as, uh, uh, and possibly slightly more skillful than, than Juris. Sparky Hughes, one of my best ever Chelsea players, completely phenomenal centre forward, but could be, could be absolutely, um, um, intimidates the wrong word, he could, some referees would hate him and presume that every single challenge was, was a dodgy one. And he would just, and he'd always do that thing of putting his arms out. And it's very similar to when Giroud was, was uh, fouled by Maguire and yet the free kick went against him. But at the same time, what, what he's effectively doing, he's preventing the centre-half ever from being comfortable, either of them. He's putting them into a scrap, so they're not in a position to get the ball easily and play it away, ever. And, uh, and then um, it, the runs that he makes are absolutely top-notch centre-forward runs to the near post, which you've seen. I remember Joe Royal, who played for Everton, was a... Um, horrible player. A, a horrible, but the number of goals he scored running near post when they had in that great team when they had Sheedy and uh, um, who was the other great winger they had? I uh, can't remember, but the ball would always be. Steven. That's, that's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Trevor Stevens. The ball would come in and he'd be, he'd get something on it. He knew he could make a run and he could do it. And I, I thought the first goal was. Uh, uh, Top class, absolutely, absolutely, Chid. You speak for me. I'll just say words. I thought that <laughs> it's like it's won. like a game. It's like free association. Yeah, isn't it's it? good. It's good. It's like yeah. I thought that Gujiru was brilliant. Absolutely, that'll do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Dane, I'm not going to stop you from giving a lot of man love to Oli Giroud, but what what I want to wrap this part up a, a bit really with is uh, well. Just a quick chat about the defence. I have to be honest. Well, I mean, we'll talk about this in, in, in part three, but, you know, I thought Z- uh, Zudiger, maybe that's what we should start calling him. If we can have um, what, Mazakar, awful bloody... Does that mean he's an animal if he's called Zudiger? No, I think Zudiger could be our back two for a while. But uh, Zuma and Rudiger, I thought, looked a little better against Norwich. And I thought, you know, maybe that's going to be our centre-back pairing. Although Rudiger just... I mean, when they're on the ball, I just absolutely shit myself half the time. But I have to say, one way of mitigating um, any calamities that might be brought forth by the inability of both Rudiger and Zuma, or Zudiger if you prefer, to actually use you know play play with a football at their feet, seems to be mitigated by by this playing three at the back. I don't know why, it just looks a lot more solid. But I also wonder, that was the easy observation to make. Um, but, you know, Willie Caballero, you've got an old experienced guy who might be a bit bonkers, a bit Dimitri Karin-like at times with his punching. But he Baroka-like. commands... like no, don't say No, that. no, he's not that bad. Um, I mean, he commands the area, he, he's vocal, he's a solid presence, he's experienced, maybe... He also helps to make Zudiger look better. Yeah, I do still cringe a bit if he comes for a cross, uh, Willie. But yeah, with Rudiger and Zuma, I think they're very similar. Uh, they're both a little bit clumsy. They both really played well yesterday. Physical, they were tight. Sometimes a little bit too eager because I think Rudiger gave away two free kicks in dangerous areas. But I think they could really either one of them do with playing with that that John Terry-esque sort of with player who who can really like to talk them through a game and Rudiger definitely looks better in 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 a back three but you know if 
if there's any money left after we've we've Jonathan obviously like this bought Chilwell and Havertz <laughs> and uh, Bob Black, and yeah. maybe yeah. we can afford a, 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 a seventy million centre back and. And, yeah, and, Havertz, obviously, Havertz. Yeah, and Taliafoco. And, and, <laughs> and we don't sell anybody at all. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Well, we guess, yeah. but there's a bloke called Goss we're apparently buying. According to Luke Goss? Today, Richard Goss. Or Matt. Is that his cousin? Yeah, they, and I think I think it's his, their sons, isn't it? Isn't the talented, it? the talentless one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, uh, oh, God, what point I was going to make? I can't, sorry, I forgot my point. Carry on. It's all right. Carry on, carry on, Dane. He's, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's well, a bit like Father Jack. It would be really interesting if we did go out and 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 buy a top top class centre back, and then that leaves you with Tomori, Rudiger, Zuma, and Christensen, and you could probably only keep two, uh, maybe three if you're if you're going to play three at the back more often. But I'd, yeah, I'd like to see a top ranked centre back there. There was, there, was a, Dane, there was a theory today that they left Barkley out because yes, I heard that. somebody I wants to buy back back Schwai and Barkley in a swap deal, and somebody that West forward. That it was, yeah, it was going to be for Declan Rice. And you go, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot him. Yeah, another one. But why? Why would they swap for for Rice? For goodness sake. I mean, what do you get? Batchwai, who's a, 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 you know, who really doesn't cut, cut the mustard at all. And and Ross, so you know what my opinion of Ross is. He's just, you know, he's as, as, as sharp as a blunt instrument in a, in a, in a bag, <laughs> bag of donuts. You know, he's, he's, he's just, <laughs> he's just, you know, he'll do something good and then pass the ball in a four against two. You know, pass, kick the ball out into touch. And when we're attacking, you know, you'd like you're likely to get that. And I'm, you know, I we watch this and and we're making we're we're in dismay about something that Ross does. You can be assured that the the hierarchy in the club are looking and going. I don't think he's going to make it. So uh, to me, that would seem to be uh, a perfect thing to use him as a as a uh, a make weight in in a transfer. Why would play? Surely managers. I mean, Moyes. Did he work with Moyes at Everton? Perhaps that's a decent, um, decent. Mm, perhaps he thinks he did. That's the link. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps that's a good contact. Perhaps that might be the case. And I would, for, I, if they buy Havertz and they can, and it will, it might be they're going to sell him anyway to Everton because they've got more money then, and they've still got so much cash coming in from all these other people that they've got to get rid of. So the wage bill is going to be less and less. I mean, the problem I had with yesterday is is Alonso because Alonso is magnificent when he plays in, in the attacking fullback the, the overlapping fullback he's he's class absolutely class player but he can't he's not malleable enough to play in the other setups because he just does he doesn't know how to do he doesn't defend he's a, he's a luxury player he's a, almost yeah so you yeah. could sell him but at the same time when he if he wants to play 3-4-3 and he put and, and you know you've got somebody who can put in a performance like that do you keep him you get rid of emerson who has been trying to leave since october so and it isn't interested and, and doesn't seem to figure. All right, so you can go through players that will be leaving Pedro's off, probably William. So the wage bill is going to be diminished. But you know who are they going to get? What, what's the what are the coffers? What's it going to be like? Is it Havertz? According to you know, I somebody on on Twitter asked whether or not I was going to get my kit off again because um, hey. because um, yeah because I'd said um, he said surely you're going to say we're not buying Havertz, but apparently there have been two quite decent. Um, well, we we yeah. don't know. Do Sources. We? I know we don't. I know, but they But well, I got told off by Liam, if you remember, for for daring to question that. You got to know. You got to know your sources. sources. You, you no, know. indeed. That's what I'm saying. They were two decent yeah. sources. But, but that's what that's what Liam's point was. No, Liam no, was it saying, is. But that's why I've that's why know. I'm not going to be taking taking no, no. my clothes off but because I'm don't, saying don't don't lump Liam and and Matt and uh, no, David Ornstein in the same category. That's my point. All right, all right, all right. You're not listening to me. I get it. No, I am listening to you. 
I'm not. That I'm, is your point. Yeah, that's my point. That's, I know. That's I point. get it. That's your yeah. point. Good, I know. Um, <laughs> right, Nick, get, bringing us back down to sanity, possibly. This no, is the trouble. No, that wasn't it's like it's like it's like it's like red rag to a bull with J.K. I'm gonna. I am gonna. You know, you can like uh, block words on Twitter. All right, I'm going to block transfer rumours on the fan cast because the minute we start talking about transfers, Jonathan, I can see him now. It's it's like it's like it's it's, it's like you can see his head getting bigger and bigger and redder and redder and redder. And I just I don't want to see brain matter spread you across the screen. Start to see all the formulas. He's going to explode, man. You know. <laughs> um, let's finish this part up, Nick, with some sense and decorum. Um, Willie or Kepper for the final in goal. It it wouldn't be out of the question to say Willie. You know, I think Frank's kind of given him the FA Cup as a a way to kind of keep him involved and happy. And you know, if he's going to start the semifinal, he should start the final, right? I mean, that, that would just kind of logic would prevail there. So I actually don't think that's that hard of a question. And frankly, I wouldn't mind if he started the Liverpool or Wolves matches either. To be honest. Yeah, I'm. I, I I like a bit of Willie. I've got to be honest, and I think we should we should leave it there. Really, <laughs> move on to part three. And part two. Can I say that I do too? Yeah, but we that that was a given, mate. To be fair, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, actually, J.K., your hair's looking quite bouffant tonight. Have you I been, know. You've been, what's, I know. What happened to it? <laughs> the wind in the palm trees. No, it's it's because we talked about transfers and his hair. The static is just making his hair go up. That's what it is. My moustache has got gone on end as well. It's bristly, like yeah. your mood at the moment. All right, we're going to be back in a minute for part three. Uh, when we're going to be talking all about... Uh, well, we're going to have a little bit of time talking about what happened against Norwich last week, hopefully as little as possible, and then talking about what really matters, which is this week, where we are playing Liverpool on Wednesday night, and then we've got Wolves in the last match of the season on Sunday, which will determine whether or not we are playing Champions League football next year, uh, next season. We'll see you in a sec. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jij? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is Stanford Chidge. You are listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, as always, I've got the lovely Jonathan Kidd with me. Buonasera. There we go. Oh, That's how we know it's part three, you see, because Jonathan remembers to say that. Uh, we've also got the delightful Dane. Good evening. And we've got the uh, the vice president of the Fantastic London is Blue podcast. And uh, by the way, big ups to Brandon and Dan. Uh, and, uh, you know, all, all I can say is mea culpa that I've never had them on the podcast and I've now had Nick on twice. Yeah, but you didn't remember the first time, to be fair. So <laughs> That's true. So, the, so yeah. it's the first time all over again. <laughs> That's true, but I am senile. We've already established that that fact, but it's great to have you on, man. Uh, I'm actually a serious point. One of the main reasons we've never got Nick or any of the boys on here is that we do our podcast religiously at 7 o'clock on a Monday night. That's how you know it's the fan cast. It's 7 o'clock on a Monday night live. And, of course, the poor boys over the pond are all working their asses off because it's in the middle of the day there. So there you go. That would be, that would be why. Now, um, I did promise you, because I'm a sadist at heart, that we would talk about the Norwich game. Um, I'm going to keep the chat on that as, as, as brief as I can because the, the, the obviously the more important stuff to talk about is what's going to happen over the next week. But looking at the Norwich match, uh, I, I've kind of started off with no mount, no party, Dane. Uh, which underlines the point we were saying earlier that, uh, you know, when he doesn't play, sometimes, you know, the results are there for all to see. There was no energy, no directness. They weren't buzzing around. They looked pretty clueless. But you know what? At the end of the day, it, as Frank said afterwards, to be fair, it was all about three points, especially after the horrors of the Sheffield game. Oh, yeah, this 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 stage of the season, I wasn't too worried about the performance. It was just for points, which just actually blue performance out the window by how we uh, performed against Manchester United off the back of a Norwich, an unimpressive uh, a Norwich performance, but three points are important. Yeah, Mount, because Mount got taken off early against Sheffield United. Uh, and, do you think he might have had a knock? No, I, I didn't know if he was, if he was looking tired, which is a surprise. I think he's one of the fittest boys in the squad. Uh, but as I said earlier, Mount is instrumental to the way Lampard plays. Uh and ugh, yeah, he must have had a knock or just, you know, the games are coming quick and fast. I thought William looked a bit tired against Manchester United, you know, a game nearly every three, four days. And maybe he thought Mason, Mason did look tired. But yeah, that, that game was all about all about the points. I wasn't interested in people saying, well, four, five, six goals and then criticising the performance afterwards. Mm, fair enough. JK? Um, it was unbelievably tense for everybody, for us, the players. <laughs> for uh, I mean, I was just convinced they were going to score Norwich and just a kind of, you know, long shot that would just... I mean, they, they were awful, weren't they? They didn't prove, have any kind of, of attack or the defence looked dodgy. All they wanted to do was defend. I was I was um, slightly annoyed that, um, what's-his-face, their manager afterwards said, I thought we played very well, I thought we did well. And you're thinking, no, I, you, you're not a good... I'm sorry, JK, JK, you can do a much better farker than that. 
an arch bit of fuck. I don't know. It's more like what, what national? He's got a very kind of his very feminine. Yeah. Yeah. Like like you know, I thought I wasn't bad. Off the, the register. Nice no, uh, ones football. football the football was very good. Oh, well, we they were only bearing orders. I got yeah, yeah. Like forty towers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mention Zivor. Or the German. But he, um, uh, yeah, they, 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 they had very little um, attacking abilities. But uh, nonetheless, I was still convinced that somebody would have a shot and it would hit Rudiger on the leg and. Divert past Kepper or something, and then oh, it would be one-one, and that would be the end of that, and we'd be in despair. And I, I honestly think if we if we'd drawn that or even lost that, we wouldn't have beaten United. I think um, uh, I think that would have just been too much for us. Um, but it, it, we in lost the end, a bit when Ruben went off, I thought because Kovacic was blown out of his ass. Come, I thought Ruben yeah, could have stayed on for an, an extra. I know they've got to still monitor him, but. I think he had another 10 15 minutes on in that Norwich game. He really started to come into it, and I was quite surprised when they took him off. Because well, I, I have to say, I think I, I thought Ruben played very well when he came on as a sub against you know, against yes, United, yes, it, yes, uh, which which was impressive. And I think perhaps he's he's been using this opportunity of the uh, um, of the restart to actually get back into some some kind of confidence and form. And I was, I was he mugged Pogba off at one point very well, very fun. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, I was more impressed with him, but yeah, it was uh. It was a game that just had to be won, but I, I was practically, it was like watching, you know, 1960s kids shows that had Daleks in them and Doctor Who and things. I was I was hiding behind a sofa most of the time, just going, no, I can't help. Um, <laughs> Nick, attack. Nick, one of the bright spots on the game, of course, was your boy. Uh, and just for all of you American listeners out there who think that Jonathan and I can't say his name, your boy Pudasik. There it is. Thank you. The Hershey, the Hershey, whatever kid, Hershey Express. Is it not Pulisic? Hershey chocolate bar? Is it not Pulisic? Pulisic, and it's Pulisic not Pulisic. Is. No, it it's is. not. No, no itch, mate. No, no. I'm just. I'm giving you options here. I know it it's is. the American. It's the American pronunciation. What are you um, Nick? Crispy. Enough, Nick. Um, <laughs> your boy Pulisic uh, was the bright spot again. What a delightful. Cro- I mean, I have to say. I mean, I, I could watch girls like that all day. You know, proper cross from the left wing, big bloody bearded striker, wallop one nil. But here's the yeah. question. Here's the question for you, Nick. Tell me all about Pulisic because he's had such an impact for us this year. What is it like <laughs> as an American to be watching him develop into a fine, fine footballer? It's it's been an interesting year for him. You know, obviously kind of fits and starts and injuries and all that kind of stuff. But I think he's showing you now kind of what he's fully capable of. And that is incredible direct play, incredible movement with the ball at speed, uh, shiftiness that isn't hazard like, but a little bit different than that. And on this on the cross, even, you know, he's he started doing this thing with his body where he realizes if he needs to make someone move that he can bait them in and do kind of a little bit half William, half hazard shift the ball over to create space uh, for himself. And I think he's just learning how to play in the Premier League, you know, and, and what different types of defenders are going to do to him. He started getting kicked all over the pitch, which is, you know, the sign of a really good player. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. You know, I, I hope we see more of it because I think he is a real talent, you know, just, has to be that he fits in the system that that Frank wants to play and 
Uh, I think he, you know, nine goals, nine assists on the year. That's a pretty good return. I think on, on our show, if we, at the beginning of the year, if we, I think we said if, if he got somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 goal contributions, that it would be a really good year for him. So he's, he surpassed my expectations. So Nick, were you aware that he was as good as this from the very beginning? Uh, he's, he certainly raised his game now. To he a has place had, that yeah, I thought he had. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because uh, you know. he is, he has been exceptional. I mean, really, you can tell that he will, but he, if it all fits together with Mount and Werner and whoever they get and, and Zayic, you've got some really top class players there. His ability with the ball, floating with the ball through and beating players is absolutely joyous, joyous to watch. You know, it's the way he runs with the ball for me, yeah. J.K. I yeah. mean, there, there, I, I, you know, you can't, you can't, and nor should you make the comparison between him and Hazard. It's entirely unfair. They're completely different players, but there is something Hazard-esque about the way he runs at players. His his ability to run at speed with the ball under his control is a very, very rare gift. Very few players have had it. Best, obviously, um, Ryan Giggs was another good example of that. It's really, really hard to run at full tilt and keep a football under control. And Pulisic has that. And the best thing about it of all, like Hazard, defenders shit themselves when he runs at them. It's a wonderful thing to see, isn't it, JK? Oh. He, 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 it, uh, the, the prospect of seeing him play... Well, I'd be intrigued to see how he fits him back in again. Yeah. You know, against Liverpool. Will he play him from the beginning? I, I think well, he's right not. Well, there no. we go. You see, you are the master of the segue, JK. Well, funnily enough, I know. Because you, you've now given me perfect excuse not to have to talk about the Norwich game anymore, which is my game plan all along. Because the only thing that was important about it was that we didn't lose, we recovered from the Sheffield United loss, and we won three points, which is what we did. Which, um, you know, miraculously, with all of these other sides contriving, I mean, United dropped points against uh, Southampton, um, Leicester got dubbed by, by Spurs, much to my hilarity. You know... It's a bit like last season, actually, when, when Arsenal and Spurs contrived to allow us to finish third. It's amazing how we've got away with it this year. So let's just recap on, on where we are as we get into the the last week of the season of the Premier League. Uh, obviously, we've got Liverpool uh, on Wednesday night, uh, and Man United have got West Ham, uh, and then it's the last day of the season. We've got Wolves. And United and Leicester are playing each other. We're obviously third with 63 points. Leicester and a fourth and United fifth, both on 62 points. <clears throat> now, I could make this the long version or the short version, given the time I'm going to make it the short version. I've worked out what Chelsea have to do to secure top four. All right? Yes. Basically, we've got to win one more match. We need three points. All right? Why? Why, I hear you say? Well, if we beat Liverpool on Wednesday, that means we will have 66 points. If Leicester win against Man United, they get 65 points. If they draw against United, they get 63 points. If United beat uh, West Ham, which I expect them to do, and beat Leicester, they'll have 68 points. Okay, One win will get them 65 points, Okay, which would be less than our 66 uh, one win and a draw will get them sixty-six. If they have the same points as us, then they'll they'll go they'll be you know they'll be higher up than us because of goal difference. I think Leicester are you know for all intents and purposes done. But if but we have to win one match, a, one draw and a defeat not good enough. Two draws not good enough unless we get lucky. 
to put it out of you know to put it out of everybody else's hands we have to win one match now we have two matches left one against liverpool who will be sucking themselves off on wednesday night with their pompous cop parade and presentation it's going to be such a <laughs> liverpool loving and then the, we've got wolves on sunday if wolves beat uh, i think they've got palace tonight and i don't know what the score is actually then wolves are still a threat but not if we beat Liverpool on Wednesday night and get those three points. Jonathan. Are Wolves still a threat? Aren't Wolves too far away from us? No, because they can. Wolves can get... If they win tonight, yeah. they'll have yeah. 59... Nine, nine, no, no. no, actually... Yeah. They're, yeah, they're actually, gone for your They're out of it. Now. They're out. Yeah. They can't get... The, they also, if, if Leicester lose, we don't have to win either game. We'll finish fourth. Yeah, but, you know, if they win... Yeah, we're screwed and we haven't won. And United win uh, on Wednesday. You see, that's what I'm saying. We have to get 66 points, which we can only do with one win. And I think it needs to be against Liverpool because it takes the pressure off against Wolves, obviously. I don't want to be going into that Wolves game having been stuffed by Liverpool, absolutely having to get a result. So there you go. Which begs the question, does it not, Nick? What's going to happen against Liverpool? God, who who fucking knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Best answer I've heard all season. <laughs> I mean, do we turn up? Do they turn up? You know, what formation do we play? You know, can we neutralize their their midfield? Because you know, I think, as we all know, that's kind of the they run their spine just as well as anybody else. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you would assume if if Pulisic is fit and healthy that he would play again. Um, and maybe William is is the guy who comes off the bench and we're starting to rotate legs a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the formation is probably going to be the most telling thing. You know, if we go in there with kind of a similar approach to what we did against United, I think we could be okay. But then again, we've also, when we've matched them in, with the three in the midfield, we've looked competitive every time we played them all year. You could argue that we were unlucky to lose the Super Cup unlucky to lose at home in the league and then i think thoroughly beat them in the fa cup so you know it could be that we just try and match them up what system did we use in the in the fa cup i can't remember i think it was a four three three was was kante was kante playing then i can't know that was the gilmore show that was that of course it was of course it was of course it was yeah yeah well that's gonna that's gonna be interesting isn't it because if kante's there as an option um he might change the formation completely again so i don't i don't think he's going to be not, he's not going to be available now. It'll, I mean, the, the the attraction, Dane, for playing three four three again, um, is of course that we do look more stable in defence, and of course Liverpool are a phenomenally good counter-attacking side. And the downside of that, of course, is that fundamentally their attack comes down the the, the flanks, doesn't it, with Terence Trent, Derby, mm-hmm. and Robertson. So that will actually, in a sense cancel each other out because you know you'll find that James and Alonso are spending most of their time defending I think the the, the salient point for me Dane is this you know Liverpool's last five matches they've lost 2-1 to Arsenal away they've drawn 1-1 against Burnley at home they've won 3-1 against Brighton away 2-0 against Villa at home and they lost 4-0 to City all of these matches coming since they won the champion uh, the, the Premier League um they will get the trophy presented to them tomorrow night. 
But I think more crucially, they were without they were without Jordan Henderson, who, for all of his detractors, I think has been. I mean, I I I I'll, I'll fess up here for for risk of ruining my reputation, but <laughs> I'm I'm a member of the Football Writers Association, which means I get to vote in the Football Writers Players Player you know Player of the Year, and I voted for Henderson because I think for all of Liverpool's you know great players like Virgil Van Dijk, I think Henderson's proven to be a really doughty captain for that side and I think they really miss him when he's not playing because I think he binds that team together and I think it's no accident they've their form's been a bit ropey not least because they've been on the beach but also because Henderson's not playing so I think that's a big loss for them yeah it's definitely an integral part of their of how they play the systems they use and Klopp's you know Klopp's thinking uh yeah it's, it's with Frank Will he go to a three-four-three? As, as Nick said, you know, we wasn't embarrassed about them. Again, have I got blue tinted glasses on? But I think we was the better team in all three games. I thought uh, that, that game we lost at home to them two-one. You know, for a good 70, 65 minutes, we were the better team. That second half, we we we, we, we was all over them. We dominated yeah. them. The Super Cup, we were unlucky. Remember, we had two well, yeah, disallowed goals. Goal. Mount yeah. had one. Pulisic was tearing uh, Terence Trent Derby. <laughs> Pulisic was was, you know, was tearing him to shreds. And in, in in the cup again, you know, we did a job on them. I think Klopp did say recently that we are the most uh, difficult team we've played this season. As I said, so so like that Southampton game, you know, we had a stunning performance against Tottenham. He used mm-hmm. the same formation and it didn't work. He changed he changed it at half time and we still lost. Yeah, he's he's. This what he gets paid the big bucks for, it's a bit, and yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's a, it's a difficult it's a difficult scenario, J.K. Because I, I, you know he's proven that that the way he normally plays has been very successful against Liverpool this year, and I and I agree with Dane. I think they've been amongst our best performances this, this season, even though we we lost twice out of those three games. But he's just come off the back of the best performance of the season on a three four three. A lot, I think, will depend. On who's who's uh, fit, who's recovered after Sunday, and who is available to play. But I have to say one thing, J.K. I think Pulisic scares the shit out of Liverpool. I'm with Dane on that. I think he might be key to this. Um, he should play him. I just don't know. You can't. Are you going to play him in the three-four-three? I don't think he would. I think he'd have to set up as he was setting up before for the uh, the Norwich and the. Um... Uh, the Sheffield United games. With the game before, I mean, we weren't playing wonderfully in any of those games before we uh, we lost to United. So um, it's going to be tricky for him. I don't know who um, is he. Would he repick Barkley? Does Barkley get in again if it if if these rumours about him being transferred aren't true? Um, or did he just decide that he didn't think he'd played terribly well against Norwich and Sheffield United, which I thought was the case as well personally. But um, not even make nine though, Jonathan. That's He's got to, add a, not, to not even make the nine. No, that's right. There must he's be been playing so regularly. Yeah. Would he yeah. have had a knock on? Yeah, well, that may be the case. We may be very ignorant about that. We don't know. But... The other thing that I would want to bring up is, like, given the stretch of games that has happened so far since the restart, there's only a finite amount of energy this team has left before the FA Cup final where they'll have a week to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, maybe a question for the group, do you go all out three days after the semifinal against Liverpool and just try and get it done right there and then yes. maybe leave yeah. yourself a yeah. little vulnerable? Yeah, I think so. Nick. Definitely. 
because you can you can if pull if back the manager, on walls. Nick, if, exactly. If I'm the manager, Nick, and you know, many might say I should be, but if, if I'm the manager, you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, look, you need to one more push, you know, get the job done now, get it done now. Mm-hmm. And then you don't, who cares what happens against Wolves? Nobody's going to give a shit. I'll play all the bit part players this season and we'll just have a rest before the cup final. That's what like I would do. Like he gamble and not play the best players against Liverpool, but play a not bad team. And then- I think Liverpool are more beatable than Wolves, mate. Yeah, yeah. Wolves are a tough side to break down on their it's game. Tough, but it, it's, uh, if where will they? Is it dependent? When are they playing tonight? Did you say they were playing Wolves? I think yeah, they, yeah, yeah, no, no. if they get into the Europa, 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 like Europa. Europa. If you get into the Europa <laughs> League, um, uh, if they've got the Europa, <laughs> you can't say it. Europa <laughs> League. If they take got seven, that, that yeah, that 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 league. If they've got those pretensions. Um, and it means, and that is the game that they have to win uh, to get into your, the Europa League. Well, then, and we need to win it. The pressure is really on. So, yeah, possibly, possibly the uh, trying to put the best team out against Liverpool is the best thing to do. And, and the bottom line is, chaps, is that, you know, we do tend to play better against teams that come out at us. And, and Liverpool are at home. You know, they'll be... They'll be they'll be walking around on 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 boners on Wednesday night because they're gonna you know get the trophy and everything else. So they they will they will want to put on a show, you know. They want to they 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 want a coronation. So they'll 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 probably give it a right go. But actually, that could play into our hands if if we play like we did against City, for example. If we play KG and if we pick them off because we know we can hurt them. And I'm just convinced of this. We've got the players that can hurt them, particularly if Pulisic plays. Uh, you know, my only worry, as ever, is if I think you're right to accommodate Pulisic, you can't play. I don't think you can play Pulisic in a in a in a three four three, unless you drop Willian. And you're not going to drop Willian, and you're certainly not going to drop Mason Mount. You know, it's really really complicated. But as as Dane and Nick both said, that's why Frank gets the big bucks. You know, he's the man that makes the decisions. But Bottom line is, I think I think the Liverpool game is winnable. I've always felt that actually, uh, even before they won the won the the Premier League. Uh, the Wolves match worried me. I mean, it still might end up worrying me actually. You but said that uh, earlier, you said that in an earlier program, you said the Wolves game worries me. It may be all down to the Wolves game. Yeah, I think I think well, I, I think Pulisic could play in a three four three. I've seen enough of too. the uh, of the national team. <laughs> Yeah, but who who doesn't play? play? I'd, well, if if they was to rest William, I thought he looked a little bit tired, and you could have Mount and Pulisic as the uh, the ones behind okay. behind Giroud. He has played central before, as I said, for America, and the other time for Dortmund, but more for America. Uh, I think he could play. It, it might be a risk, but you only know uh, by seeing what, it. What what I don't want ever to see again, if I live to one hundred and seventy three, is Jorginho as the only kind of central midfielder <laughs> ever I don't I do not want that to offend my eyes one more time and I and I quite like Jorginho but on his own he's so exposed he is so much better when Kovacic is buzzing around him because Kovacic gets him out of the shit mm. you know he, he, they, they, they work very well together in fact I think yeah well you could, I suppose we, you'd have Giroud William and Pulisic, and then you'd have Kovacic and Jorginho, Reese on the right, Alonso on the left, if that's the way you, you want could, to go. You could do that, yeah. You could but do can that. Can I just put a shout-out for, for Dave playing in the three there? Because I yeah. think he organises 
um, yes. Rudiger and yes. Zuma very, yes. very well. Yes. And yes. I think because yes. they, they, uh, they, the line is always better, weirdly. It's just something you think, well, they, they seem to be a bit headless chicken like with just the two of them. He's got the three. He's really, when we're talking about there not being a voice, he does shout at them to get to get in position. Oh, yeah. Dave, in, a, in a way that um, uh, uh, he obviously can't do as much when he's playing fullback in the in the four. I, I mean, I, I tweeted about this yesterday. I think final point on Zuma, who had a great game. Mm-hmm. For him to be the sweeper in a back three shows you how far he has advanced in his passing to me. Uh, you know, I think two seasons ago or under Conte when he was um, loaned out, there wasn't a prayer that that would ever happen. And I think Frank has put a tremendous amount of trust in him to help lead some of the distribution out of a, you know, what can sometimes be like a really weird pressing angle that he has to pass the ball to. I'm not saying that he's prime Fabregas by any means, but you look at the way that he's evolved his passing this year. And I think it's just commendable that he's evolved into a player that can be a sweeper and also a destroyer at the same time. Yeah, no, he used to stab the pass before. He would stab it. He had a weird, weird, weird way of doing it. But now you're right, Nick. Absolutely. Well, I'm sorry to piss on both of your strawberry patches, but I don't agree. I, I still, he, he sends the, I, 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 I feel sick with fear when I see either Zuma or Rudiger, as we now know to call them Zudiger, you know, trying to pass the ball. They look, they always look like an accident. Way. They do not look comfortable. You know, there's a difference between defenders, John Terry, for example. I mean, I've said this on this show so many times. I've had a pound for every time I'd say this. I'd be a multimillionaire. Rob Shepard, a great old friend of mine who used to be a very well-known football journalist uh, and a great mate of Terry Venables, as it, as it happens. But he always used to say to me, so that Terry Venables used to say of JT, he had the best touch of any defender he'd ever seen play. The best first touch. You know, John T- John Terry could play with... A, he was confident with the football at his feet. Rio Ferdinand was confident with the football at his feet. For them, it was natural. They didn't have to think about it. Players like Zuma and Rudiger, you can see the cogs going around in their head when the ball comes to their feet. Mm-hmm. And it scares the living bejesus out of me, Nick. But it doesn't mean that he hasn't improved at the same time. No, no, I, I agree with that. I've got no, no truck with that, no problem with that at all. I mean, I, I think they have got better, but they are... You know, on the one hand, you could say they are not good enough and they might never be good enough if if you want them to be ball-playing centre-backs or that they are going to be prone to errors because it's not their natural game. I don't think they're the future. I think out of the best of that bunch, I think Zoom essentially in a free is just a little bit better than Rudiger is, but I wouldn't... It's the least worst option. Yeah, I wouldn't obviously put my mortgage on, 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 on no. to keep him there and... But at the moment, like Nick said, he's I think he's done enough to be that central in a free and he's probably the best option. So what All the, right. what's the betting Christensen starts then? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I think I'll that... go to the pub, actually. If that happens, I'll say fuck this shit, I'm off to the pub. <laughs> I still haven't actually been to a pub yet since we were allowed to go, but I did notice that my, my local, the uh, the black boy, which is the best pub in the world, is is now open. I just might just go down there and drink pints and pints and pints of landlord until I have to crawl back up the hill and not even be aware of the fact there was a football match on. But anyway, uh, talking about mortgages, uh, Dane, uh, are you going to put your mortgage on a, on a Chelsea win on Wednesday? No. So what do you think it's going to be? I, like you, like, like we said earlier, I'd, I'd like us to go all out and then just relax against Wolves on Sunday. Uh, hoping 
like we've said earlier, that Liverpool are on the beach or are looking quite forward for the game to end so they can do their little celebration or parade, whatever they're going to do up there. And they've got their eye on that rather than the game. And Nick, <sighs> sorry, Dane. Yeah, on. no, I, I can't. Yeah, I can see three, three different results there. Uh, no way, really. Is that, is, well, I can obviously see. Well, it's, it's, obviously, it's a win or lose or a draw, and I can't. I can't put my end on any of them. It's uh... <laughs> brilliant. That's a great, a great, great. That was a that was a classic Coleman balls actually. There, you know, I can only I can only possibly see three results here, Chich. Win, lose, or a draw. No, really. Fucking <laughs> brilliant. Nick, what about you? I I don't think we'll get the. I, I would bet on a draw, but. I'm also just thinking about how sweet it would be to go up there and beat them and have them a little downtrodden as they accept the trophy. Uh, that that gives me a lot of uh, that gives me a lot of joy to think about. So um, I I hope we go and do it. I, I would love for nothing more than than for Sunday to be a formality and for us just to be able to field a team full of youth academy players. Already- what he is, mate. Yeah, well, even more, <laughs> even more than we have now. But yeah, get, it's, get some um, eight-year-olds playing. Yeah, under under eights. Let's go. J.K. Well, uh, it, being Chelsea, I think we'll lose, and then we'll lose against Wolves. But then Leicester will lose, and so we'll qualify. Hmm. I mean, I have to be honest. I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a, a million miles away from that. I, I. I was thinking that we might draw tomorrow. And we might draw Unluckily. against Wolves as well, actually. There's always uh, and well, indeed, or, or even lose. But I, I think either way, this is Chelsea. They're going to make us sweat it. That's a good but, point. Leicester's only got one game left, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they yeah have. that's it. It's the one. Yeah, we've got two. Yeah, but that's what I said. If if we lose to Liverpool, we'll go into the Wolves match on sixty three points. Leicester will go in with sixty two. If they draw, right. I mean, it gets complicated. But the bottom line is, what I said right at the beginning was right. We need three points, and that's the bottom line. But, of course, we don't need any points at all if United beat Leicester because they've got 62 points. And if United beat them, they'll stay on 62 points. But, you know, you don't want to be banking on United to to wallop Leicester if they're in with a sniff of of getting in. I mean, this is why I want us to beat Liverpool, apart from the fact I always want us to beat Liverpool. It goes without saying. Which we could do. We could indeed do. Well, there we go. All will be revealed on Wednesday. And you know what? We'll be talking about it next Monday because that's what we do. Now, uh, after this very short break, uh, we will, in fact, be reading out a stack of emails. And Jonathan and Nick Volini will be having a voice-off. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast.com. Right, welcome back. We are now officially in the home straight of the Chelsea Fancast uh, tonight. Uh, we've got the lovely Jonathan Kidd. Hello. Uh, the lovely Dane. Hello, everyone. And the equally lovely Nick Vellaney from the London is Blue Pod. What is good? I don't know. You tell me. This podcast, that's what's good. Well, there you go. Very kind. Right, I'll tell you what else is good, Nick. I don't know if you've 
got your your um your you know your ear rolls around this one at all but uh uh, a while ago, me and the wonderful Martin King recorded a load of interviews with some uh, some Chelsea players from the past, and we we've kind of issued them as 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 kind of individual podcasts called Chelsea Specials, uh, to name but a few: Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tambling, Ron Chopper, Harris, Tommy Baldwin, Johnny Boyle, John Bumpstead, Gary Chivers, Colin Pates, and Paul Cannaville, and the terrace legend that is Danny Eccles Harkins. Uh, now you can download these interviews at chelseaspecial.podbean.com for a small charge for each podcast, £2.99, uh, basically so that uh, we, we pay ourselves back from the money we had to pay the players to do them. Um, you can subscribe to Podbean. You go to, as I said, chelseaspecial.podbean.com and then you just click on Buy Single Episode Now. Just basically you go to the homepage, you see all the interviews there and you just click on that Buy Episode Now link and uh, it'll take you to the... Uh, the paywall and you can download it and enjoy it they are phenomenally good i mean the other thing is i've been using clips of them for our uh, lovely um 50 years of chelsea's uh, at the moment which uh, are going down like a storm as you're about to find out in the emails but nick have you have you availed yourself of any of these i believe and so i've been a terrible listener of those but i believe i listened to the cannibal one um what do you think of that one because you know Canners, like we yeah we we've interviewed him and, and been around him when we've been in london and he he just i think when you hear him speak you can tell how sincere he is and that you know if if that's coming through in an audio format um as opposed to kind of seeing someone's facial expressions on a video then you've done a really good job and and so i i really i think that that kind of makes the mark of these shows hmm I mean, the, the one thing I would say, and I don't, I don't mean to be sitting here blowing smoke at my rear end, but I think because Martin and I are who we are, and I mean, I know a lot of these guys quite well. Canner's being, you know, he's been a mate for a long time. Mm. And the Canner's one is a, is a case in point. I think Paul just opened up in a way that I don't, I've never heard him open up before about about his life, about his career, about the obvious racism issues. Uh, I mean, even I was taken aback, basically, but you know, a lot of these players have just, they, they, it became like sitting down with some mates in a pub. I mean, it was really free and open and, and very honest. It was a real privilege to do them. If you love Chelsea and some of these old players, I'm, I'm, and I know, I know, you know, we charge you and I know we've done it, but mate, they're, they're great. Get on it, people. Um, Jonathan. Well? I think before we do the email, I think we should fit in your voice off with Nick now. Can you? So I don't quite know how you want to play this. You know, basically, I think we should teach him how to say irony, warrior, and environment first. But maybe we should get him to say them first. I think we should. We just, just, do you know what words we require, Nick? Well, I just, no. just told him. I know, but he might have forgotten in that brief period. You don't know. Okay. Irony. First, your your first word is irony, Nick. Irony. Jonathan. Perfect. But do I have to do it as well? Well, I, I don't know. Only, only think you, only if you think you can better it. Irony. What are you, What's going on with that? <laughs> I think I think it's more irony. irony. It's 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 subtle. Well, it's irony. 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 Yes. Okay. Uh, Nick Warrior. Uh, warrior, as in someone who worries. Whoa! Oh, we clever. <laughs> clever. Or the Golden State Warriors, um, who are Ooh, basketball. Oh, he's struggling with that one. He's struggling with that one. He's struggling with that one. Warrior. The better. Jonathan? Warrior. Warrior. Nick, warrior. Okay, last one is environment. Environment. That's not bad. 
You tried hard with that, didn't you? <laughs> Environment. Jonathan? It on the, Environment. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. What about aluminium? Aluminum, you mean? <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant. Enough of this silliness. Well done, Nick. You're a real sport. Um, Jonathan, we have an email. In fact, we have eight. Do you want to do the first one? Uh, may I? Thank you. Yes. Jeff Crine or Je- Jeff Crean? What do you reckon? Well, I don't know. How would Nick say it? Nick, how would you say that? Crine. Let's go with Crine. I like that. Okay. Right, Crine. Crine. Greetings, yeah. Chidge and the whole crew. That's Nick and Dane and me. Uh, I'm posted out in the concrete jungles of China, a.k.a. the Middle Kingdom, as a teacher. been listening to your show on and off for the last three years. It's been a great companion to my after hours of cleaning the classroom and other trivial tasks, writing reports and grades. I have to be without the show or else I start replacing students with players. Um, uh, I didn't quite understand why I said that. Other trivial writing reports and grades have to be, or else I start replacing students with players. Ross Barkley shows enthusiasm, but needs to reflect on his mistakes. Clever, yeah, yeah. Being from the Pacific Northwestern US, we've had a decent football, yes, soccer culture. Seattle Sounders are my MLS team. There's a great rivalry, rivalry down the road with the Portland Timbers. Still, it's just not the Premier League. I've been a Chelsea fan since around 2008. These days, I've come to expect the disgusted look I get from most English friends I meet here when I reveal my Chelsea allegiances, followed by demands for an explanation. Why? Probably started innocently enough. At that point, the games most available on American television would feature Big Six, and I had enough of the Man U bandwagon. So I supported a club that gave the Red Devils a good rivalry and had a few familiar faces, i.e. Lampard, JT. But one of my favourite, proudest Chelsea moments was spent at a very loud, very cocky Bayern Munich supporters flat during a Champions League final. You know the one, wink the magic of DDA Drogba. We're nothing, we've, we've nothing quite like that now. In China, most of my fellow supporters are from the African continent. I've made some delightful friendships through the years, thanks to Chelsea. Onto the current season, I think you and your guests have put it right. We, we're dis- we've disappointed at times, and yet who saw us ever fighting for top four with a departure of Hazard and a bunch of youngsters? Still, it pains me to watch all of the piss-session, as I'm terming it. We get the ball, show a few fancy flicks, then camp outside the penalty area until someone makes a mistake with everyone forward. It's just too frequent and happened a lot under Sarri as well. We've got to be a little more ruthless. I just don't see that in the likes of Abraham. Most of the time I see him pouting over a squandered chance. I believe Kepper must be more of a leader in the back, but I see far more of the defensive faults on the men just in front of him. Rudiger is a nut job. Christensen lacks discipline, shame after a memorable season under Conte, and Zuma, for his hustle and aerial presence, just makes poor decisions. Selling Cahill was such a head scratcher. I'm shocked we haven't put a little cash down on a center or left center half or left back. Is Chilwell worth the price? Would recruiting John Terry help tidy this mess? Yes, Chidge, I was a bit fucked off your words haha as you waffled on about american struggling to say irony and warriors warriors 
irony war warriors war warriors really the irony war really though must be thinking of those heavy east coast accents think boston new york jersey i struggle with them as well that said i always know you'll get back on track sooner or later jeff jeff it's it's star trek it's wharf wharf or all, all the klingons they always are asked i am a warrior I am a great warrior. It's what they always say. Many, many thanks for the podcasts, articles, commiserations, and laughs. Cheers, all. Stay true to the blue, Jeff. P.S. It's the dream to one day take my young son to the bridge. I'll be keeping my eyes out for you lot. Well, if we ever get back to actually watching it all together, we must, and you come over, it should be arranged so you meet us. Yes, will we ever get back? That's will the question. we ever get back? Yeah, I, I, I've missed a trick there, you know, because I forgot that Jeff Crean, Crine, was uh, from the US of A. Uh, we could have got Nick to read that out, and we'd have had an authentic American voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, albeit one that can say warrior and irony. Talking of which, uh, I forgot the special request from the absolutely delectable Claire McConnell, uh, who wants you, Nick, to say, you've got to say durable. Durable. Say that again. Durable. 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 Like gerbil. (laughs) Durable is an American gerbil. Durable. Two countries separated by the same language. (laughs) That's why I love you guys. Um, There you go. Uh, Jeff, what a top email, mate. Uh, And how apposite that uh, you were talking about us taking the mick out of American accents. On the very show, we have an American and half an American, it has to be said, with Dane. Uh, And we were, guess what, taking the piss out of American accents because that's how we roll on this show. Uh, We love you and you love us, really. You know. Uh, Right, this one's from Robert Smales. He says, have really enjoyed the last few weeks and my mind was wandering back uh, to the season 82-83. I went to most of the games both home and away that season. As was said on the programme, the socialising was often better than the game. Who can forget Derby and the Cup? Not often do you come away feeling that the fans were now in a spiral of just using any excuse to cause havoc. And God, we had plenty reason that season. My overabiding memory was that you could pay on the door to get into the East Down Lower, which had a bar with frosted windows so you could drink but not see the game. I'd, I'd say in those days that was a distinct advantage to be able to drink and not see the game. Uh, however, the crowds were so low that on midweek games you could scratch the frosted covering off the windows with a coin and then watch the games through the gap. Can you imagine that now, drinking and watching football? Uh, Burnley away when we lost 3-0 was the first time I thought we could get relegated although it seemed impossible as we were so much better than the bottom teams on paper ETC ETC fast forward to Middlesbrough in the relegation playoffs a few years down the line and thinking again too good to go down but this is Chelsea of course we went from kneel out to promotion in less than 12 months but I guess that's a spoiler alert to come happy days keep up the good work robert smales i'm no doubt robert's now heard the 8384 which was just ridiculous fun to do last week wasn't it jake oh wonderful wonderful mickey thomas what a player joey jones oh kerry pat oh we pat we pat oh spackers oh spackers. colin pates oh joe mclaughlin oh that's enough um this is from josh king Hi, Chidge, JK and co. Well, that's that's Dane and uh, uh, Nick. Um, 25-year-old Aussie fancaster here for the past two seasons. Long time blue, first time writing in. Referring to your recent chat about the new kits, if you look closely, the home kit is in fact blue with dark navy trimming. 
not black. Oh, sorry about that. Also, well, hang on, hang on, JK. Yeah. At this point, I need to interject. See, Josh, we wouldn't know that because the club and three haven't seen fit to send me or JK a free shirt. Have they, JK? I know. I'm not seeing it. No. No, just, we I'm, haven't been given free shirts, I'm, so that's why we thought they were black. I'm trying to look at it on the television, and you know, yeah, I've, got a little, you know. I've got a little small black and white one at home, so I can't. We're, we're just not important enough, JK. No, we're not. We're not. Could... Or, or goodie boxes like bloody Marco got last night. Did you see? Did you see that on Twitter? Did he get a goodie box from the club? Yeah, from the club. Yeah, yeah. What do we have Mate. to do, Chidge? <laughs> uh, stop doing the fan cast. Right. I think do I have to get naked again? That. Do you think it's that? No. I think maybe maybe that might have sealed us not okay. getting. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Okay. Maybe they could have given you a shirt to cover up your naughty. Bits, I could have. Yeah, but know? I thought I was authentically to use a 1973 scarf. It's quite good. At yeah. 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 Anyway, indeed. Also, with regard to using the red from the Chelsea badge, the new third kit yet to be released is predominantly red, with faded blue stripes, as somewhat of a throwback. To the 98, no, it must be 88, 90 and 92 Umbro kits. Okay. Finally, it saddens me that Chelsea won't be able to wear the glorious all blue FA Cup tribute kit if when we lift the cup this year, as obviously the Yokohama main sponsorship deal has ended and the kit is now redundant. Very good point. Strangely, Yokohama is still a partner of the club because you keep seeing the ads keep flashing up. But I don't see a scenario where the new deal with 3UK would allow the team to wear the blue tribute kit. Surely they could wear the kit and just put the three on the front. Anyway, greatly appreciate the hard work that's gone into the podcast, particularly during such a difficult time. Big love. Keep the blue flag flying high. Josh. Yeah. That's a great. That's a sorry, sorry, J.K. I, I've got the I, your your face is obscured by the script, so I couldn't see that you were about to talk. Sorry, do you want to comment on? No, that? I, I just want to say I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued as to how he knows all about the uh, the new third kit. Well, he's, I think he's going from what he's seen on Twitter, which is the Crystal Palace replica kit. Ah, righto. Which is I'm I'm sorry to say this, Josh. For me, is an abomination. An abomination. Nothing short of. Now, uh, I know Nick likes a kit. He's got one on now. Of course, Nick's had the sense, knowing that he was coming on the fan cast tonight, to wear the my favourite shirt, in fact, the 1983 four-season Le Coq Sportif, Sportif, which we mentioned last week. But I know you're a bit, you like your kits, don't you, Nick? So what, what, what do you think about what Josh has said, the new kit, uh, the... Palace kit, keeping a lot of people have been making a noise on Twitter, wanting the club to play in the the fantastic uh, only used once kit, which resembles the 1970 kit for the final. I think three would do a hell of a lot of endearing to fans if they were able to replicate that and just you know kind of okay the three in like the whatever the same color just to obscure it a little bit. It's a phenomenal looking shirt and the socks were amazing. So. You, you would assume, like, if there was any common sense among Chelsea and their and their partner three, that they they would figure out some way to print 20 of those shirts for the final because they just look so good. I mean, there's mm. no reason not to. Dane, would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, yeah. Because you like the kit, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful kit. I got it in a long sleeve and short sleeve. It makes me laugh. They've got two weeks to sort it out, and I doubt it'd be available to 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 sell to buy because they'd can... sell a lot more of them too. I mean, if you're Nike, that's a good move. Yeah, yeah. Would they get it done in time? But yeah, it would. It was so nice, and it's so 
fitting for you know the anniversary they released that kit for the 50 years it would be the perfect way would to be to to wear it in the final you know what, was, what would be the point just just releasing it just for a third round game against Nottingham Forest at home you know it'd be perfect end to the season in that shirt yeah totally 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 agree with that right next one short but sweet and quite funny actually is from our good old mate Brian Justman this came through on Patreon by the way uh actually while we're on the subject of Patreon Thank you, London is Blue, who have become Patreons of Chelsea Fancast. I need to reciprocate that uh, and do the same for London Blue. Is that why they get it back from me? Do they? Well, I can do it too, you know. God's sake. Anyway. I do it it individually as well. I do it individually as well. Oh, you do actually, Nick. That's very, very true. Um, So, yeah, that means I have to do it twice. That's complicated, but I can do that. Anyway... um, yeah, Patreon, uh, which we're rubbish at and London is Blue are fantastic at, but uh, our heart is in the right place. That's all I can say. And if you do send some stuff in, like Brian has done, you do get it read out. And it's a good way to get hold of me because I'm like trying to get an audience with the Pope, mate. So, you know, that's a good direct line. It's like a bit of the equivalent of seeing white smoke come out of the roof is sending me a message on Patreon. One, who knows? I mean, the the great thing about it was that J.K. and I used to do stupid videos after the games, which were always they always reminded me about like Mel Smith and Griff, Griff Reese Jones doing their head to heads. J.K. Yes. They had that kind of nonsensical appeal about them, but of course we don't go to games anymore. We, we've been we've been reduced to armchair TV fans. Mind you, that means we have more in common with a lot of our listeners, so maybe we shouldn't grumble. Right on that, yeah, Patreon. You know where to go. It's Chelsea Fancast on Patreon. It's delightful that so many of you do. I love all the people who do. You can donate as little or as much as you want. Uh, it's a monthly payment. You know, I, I, I treat it like saying, well, you pay a quid for the fanzine. So, you know, something like that's wonderful. But you don't have to. Really, you don't have to. Um, anyway, Brian Justman says, I just finished listening to the Chelsea Chatter My Chelsea episode. I'm appalled that you didn't have him tell us how long it's been since Mikel scored. Or at the very least made him say, and finally in that inimitable way of his, which I always remember, Chad, when we were on the TV show. And finally, he would say, wouldn't he, JK? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his funny jumpers. Yeah. And finally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dear old Chad. His, his uh, My Chelsea was great, by the way. If you haven't heard it already, uh, go and listen to it. And, and another quick way to get a plug-in, this week's My Chelsea will be with, you won't believe this, people, it's going to be with Brandon Busby. There you go. Yeah, who, Nick's... Who, who is that? Who? Who's that? That guy sounds yeah. terrible. Nick's Good. your buddy. Nick's like your bu- on before me. No. He's, no, he's not. You were, you've been, you were the, one of the first, mate. No, I'm oh, saying Nick's it. like, why is Brandon on before him? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you why. Because when I WhatsApp them all, uh, I, I WhatsApp the London is Blue WhatsApp group. And uh, and Brandon said yes first. Oh, the others didn't get back was- to you. He was he was more timely, and then Chidge threw me a bone and said, "Hey, why don't you, why don't you take a whole yeah. afternoon off and come on the fancast?" I'm all like, heart, mate. You know that me. That just leaves Dan heart. now, then. Yeah, we'll get old Dormer on sooner or later, one way or the other. Right. So there you go. Check out this week's My Chelsea. It's got Brandon Busby. Brandon, I love Brandon. Right. Okay. Uh, J.K. Rob Delcini. Rob Delcini. Hi, Chidge, JK, and esteemed guests. I'd just like to say how much I'm enjoying the 50 Years of Chelsea podcast. Thank you very much. I find myself closing my eyes, smelling the onions and horse poo. Oh, yes. <laughs> Standing outside. Smell the, vision. Oh, God. Absolutely right. Standing outside the shed turnstiles, waiting for 1 p.m. to run up the steps to my place in the middle. In fact, 
reliving my youth. As I type this email, I'm listening to probably the most defining season of our history, 1982-83. One thing I'm noticing about our history is that, yes, we were inconsistent. And as you put it so wonderfully last week, it's a Chelsea thing. But one thing got me thinking, if you don't win titles and major trophies without, you don't win major titles and major trophies without some sort of consistency. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that we do in fact lack the experience and leadership in our existing squad. Think of the 1983 to 85 season. And I ask you the question, would we have done so well without Mickey Thomas and Joey Jones in our side? No. Even with the promotion season in 1988, we had Graham Roberts and the likes of Peter Nicholas holding things together. So I agree, we don't have that experience in the current squad, but how do you get experience without getting experience? For the last 10 plus years, we've been saying we should give youth the chance, play the kids, see what happens. And as soon as we do, the uneducated twit idiots say, we can't win anything with youth. Tammy is no good. We need loads of new players. We make too many mistakes. Get rid of Frank, he's useless, blah, 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 blah. Chidge, you would know that when you run a company, the vast majority of males under the age of 23 lack the concentration and focus to have a role high up in a company. They do stray a little and make mistakes. It's natural and will happen. So how do we improve things? How do we get into a position to challenge Man City and that other side up north? Up now, yes, I think we need a centre-back to command things at the back. Someone to shout and scream and keep those youngsters switched on. With, <coughs> with the new players, we've already coming into our side. The only other weakness is at left back, but that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And let's all ride the wave until all these kids have gained the experience they need to push on. One final thing I want you to do, go forward to 2040. Oh, you're running a podcast which is covering the 70 years of Chelsea. Oh, Marco and JK are reviewing the 2024-25 season. And the conclusion is we learnt the lessons of the 1976 Eddie Mack season and kept the manager and the kids together and started to dominate, winning back-to-back -back Champions Leagues and winning three league titles. Is that too far-fetched? No! Thanks again for all your hard work. And I'll see you as soon as the COVIDiots realise you need to distance in 2022. Up the Chels. How absolutely brilliant to hear from Bobby D, one of my favourite, favourite people in the universe, uh, Down Under. Uh, he's a Londoner Down Under. He's a top, top bloke. Um, I have to say, JK, I mean, I myself will be 75 in 2040 if I make it that long, which given the state of my body just running for a minute makes me worry. Um, I, will, I, I, don't I think, will be 102. I was going to say at least... Possibly more yeah. depends on your which official birth certificate you're providing exactly. us with. But you know, if you and I are still doing a podcast on Chelsea in 2040, then there is something seriously wrong with Chelsea fan down. media. Somebody should put us down if we're still. Doing I think we'll yeah we'll have to be sent out to stud or or, yeah. or whatever they call it. Uh, I mean, thankfully, uh, you know, uh, Chelsea fan media is in good hands because Nick and Dan and uh, Brandon uh, average age of about. 18 i think so you know they'll, they'll only be about 30 30 or 40 by 2040 isn't that right nick getting some gray hairs in his beard so yeah, a little older, I know, little older. I know. hey ho uh great email bobby d uh right we've now got ollie wilkins ollie ollie's a very frequent emailer we do love a bit of ollie um and he's also a big fan of ours on instagram isn't he Dave? yeah no he's a, he's a he's a good laddie is he very very supportive 
always praising. He's he's on he's on my good list. Good man. Right. He says, hey, guys, it's Ollie Wilkins again. I would like to talk about episode 512. Whenever, whenever I see somebody start off an email like that, JK, it reminds me of that Monty Python sketch. I wish to register a complaint. Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. I do. I have that same shiver down my spine, but uh, not from Ollie. Ollie's all good. Starting with Pulisic, he's a great player and all Chelsea fans should know that by now... Uh, should, should know that by now, sorry. But when he signed, I knew he was a great player. Signed to just sell shirts? That's not on. I know you guys don't think that. You're on point with Chelsea players. But he will sell shirts. And with that fact, he is a good player and he gives 100%. I think he'll be the best player in the Premier League by the time he's 25 years old. And I don't think that defences will target him as much as when as much when Timo and Zayesh come in. Because no team can target all three, three players at the same time. Good point. My second point is that when we signed Emerson... <laughs> I was pretty sure that he was a CM, not an LB. And with Alonso, he was a LM, not an LB. I might be wrong, but uh, they are squad players, so they can play in multiple positions, which I think is also a good point. Last point is with the defence. The centre-backs are all pretty good for the Premier League, but the man or woman who was talking... Or woman? Who was talking... We haven't had Alex on for ages. What's he talking about? But the man or woman... Maybe it was Tony pretending to be a woman. <laughs> but the man or woman who was talking... He does like to dress up in women's clothes, so I've been told, allegedly... I don't, I don't want him to get his lawyers on to me. Really? Anyway, but oh. the, yeah, yeah. But the man or woman who was talking about Boateng and Koulibaly being what we need to play with one of our current centre-backs, I was told that Boateng is not playing well this season. Actually, Ollie, it was me talking about Boateng and Koulibaly. Maybe I'm doing the one wearing women's clothes. I don't know. Um, I think there are only about five world-class centre-backs. The first is Van Dijk. The second one is Ramos. The third is Koulibaly. The fourth might be Niklas Sul. And the fifth is Mati, I think. I don't know how to present that. That's Juventus one, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. But any of the top five can be moved around that list. Depends on your opinion of each player, but I believe all five of them are very good. Let's sign them all then, Oli. (laughs) Uh, And I don't think any of the clubs they're currently at would let them go. And they all play for a team that can win the league they're in. It's equally good point, Oli. I would like to know what you think about all this. And if I'm wrong in some ways or I've missed anything that makes my point right or wrong, thank you for taking the time to read or listen to my email. Side note. What do I have to do to get on the show? Thanks again for all the time you guys put in. And can you please give Dane a shout out? He does an amazing job with your Instagram account. Thanks, Ollie. Well done. Yeah, well done, Dane. Uh, I can answer the, the last question first, really, Ollie. What do you have to do to get on the show? Um, well, I, th- I thought it was quite a common knowledge, really. You only ever get on this uh, Chelsea fan cast, number one, if I like you. And that's no mean feat, as everybody on here will attest to. But the most important thing is, you don't get on this show. Because the golden rule about this show, it was started by a load of mates who either sat with each other at the games or went to the games together and drank in the same pubs before and afterwards. That has been, is and will always be the modus operandi of the Chelsea fan car. So the only way you can ever get on this show and this applies to everybody, is you have had to have had at least three beers with me in the Cock Tavern before a game or even afterwards. Or buy you the three beers. Well, I didn't say that, but yes, you have to buy me beer. uh, And then I'll think about it. It's as simple as that. I mean, I think that's pretty fair, isn't it, Jacob? Yeah, perfect. perfect. Yeah, Nick? I had to buy you six beers. We, you did, I know. We, we've had a thousand beers together, I think, now. Oh, and, I wish. I wish. That's you only bought one five, yet, Nick? Uh, yeah, we definitely have. 
our our bar tab after the last one that we were there was was pretty significant. So I mean, there there are there are friends. I mean, I can I can very quickly tell you a story when I ended up in a pub in Earl's Court. I can't even remember the game now. It was earlier this season, and I bumped into the fantastic Andy Ray, Rayman, and Darren Mantle, and and his dad and. Richard from We Are the, all those boys, and I, they knew. I, and I was there with Dan Silver, and I, they knew I had to get a train home to Winchester, which for me is quite a, a feat. And and they just kept buying me beer after beer after because I kept saying, "Oh, I'll just I'll go after this one," and then suddenly I just almost finished it, and another one would appear, and they kept that going for about three hours, and I missed three trains. So there well, you go. Our our drinking session after Spurs beating us at home. Chidge was, oh, that was legendary, wasn't it? Oh. Shots, shots were fired. <laughs> Literally a Jaegermeister. Oh, oh. I do oh. remember that. It was a good night, uh, even though we'd lost to Spurs. Amazing, isn't it? Right, J.K. This is Jeff Stevenson. Hello, Chidge and Co. I'm a big Chelsea fan, big Chelsea and Frank Lampard fan. I'm 25. I've followed Chelsea since the second title-winning season under Jose. You'll say I jumped on the bandwagon of victory. No, but I actually started following the Blues because my older brother is a Chelsea fan. Fair enough. I'm the youngest of five boys. Didn't really like football till I was about eight or nine, as my other brothers and parents were not into footy. Rugby was the game they followed. And not all of them. My dad doesn't understand why a bunch of idiots are running around a field after a ball. As a result, I wasn't really into it. But my friends were all footy fans, always played in the schoolyard. As I didn't have any other options, I played too. They're not very well. Eventually, I became hooked on the game. I'm now a highly engrossed fan and love to play. I'm much better now. And yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, and now I, I'm much better now. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to play for a local team since I was 12 because I attended a boarding school where we played rugby and I now work weekends, so do not have time. I do get to play indoor footy on a Saturday night, though, but the coronavirus has obviously halted that. I've followed the club through this successful era where we've won it all. I'm from Ireland. Sadly, I haven't made it over to watch a game at the bridge, though I did go on the stadium tour a couple of years ago when visiting the Harry Potter studios with my girlfriend. Growing up, I loved Lampard, Terry and Drogba. They were the core of our most successful years. From title victories and Champions League triumphs to agonising defeats, those three and more were in the thick of it. With Frank being my favourite player, you can understand my delight when he was named manager. I followed Derby last season, was impressed with how he brought the team to the playoff final with such a young side with Chelsea youngsters at its core. Everyone spoke of how this was a transition season and they would be happy with a lower to mid-table finish. I wouldn't be so accepting of that as the team still had some great title-winning players and I believe Frank would bring us European football, though I didn't think we'd make top four with so many youngsters in the side. So Frank deserves credit to still be in third place with three games to play. However, I'm sick of the mistakes in basic aspects of the game. Time after time, as you fancasters kept alluding to, it's not good enough. And if this is a transitional season, it doesn't give me much hope for challenging next season with the current defence. I agree firmly with an email from the last episode where the emailer alluded to Kepper watching the ball go into the net. I find this infuriating. It happens far too much. Why does he, why does he stand there rooted to the spot with no attempt to get to it? Just make an attempt. Dive for the ball and he might just get there. Even last season, this was regular. Harry Kane scores a goal from outside the box along the ground and into the bottom corner. Kepper has plenty of time to react, but just stands there. 
I watched videos on the app of training and Kepa looks good, agile and capable, which makes you think he would come good. But I'm afraid I've lost faith in him. Believe he needs to be replaced. Look at Liverpool. They fielded Lorius Carrius in a Champions League final. And look what happened. We won't with titles with him in goal, I'm afraid. The Ajax goalkeeper looks to what Kepa doesn't and might be a good option. The defence has been spoken of so much, it's clear we need changes in personnel, but also in the coaching aspect. Frank is not a defensive coach. It seems he needs to improve his defensive staff. I'd love to see Terry join, even though Villa haven't been good in defence. I think Terry would be a huge influence to our defence. If not JT, then someone who will improve the defensive coaching. Also, for fuck's sake, can they just put a game to bed? My heart rate is going through the roof <laughs> every game. Just too stressful. Yeah. Fucking hell, I'm going to have a bypass. absolutely agree with you. Having said all that, I'm very excited to see all the youngsters coming through. I'm a big fan of Mount, Adoy, Tammy and Ruben. Believe they can form the core of the team for years. The problem being, there isn't the kind of performers in the defence. I'm hopeful of Tamori and Reese as they've shown glimpses of quality, but it's where the youngsters are missing. The signings of Werner and Saic are are, ex are are exciting, so the future looks bright if we can sort out the defence and the goalkeeper. Lastly, a big shout out to the 50 years of Chelsea. I only started listening to the podcast at the start of the season and listened to all episodes since. As a young fan, I didn't know too much about the history apart from the main things such as winning the 70 Cup final against Leeds, as my brother bought me a DVD of the game for Christmas one year. I love hearing all about the past seasons from those who've been there. It's very interesting and enjoyable. Even the poor seasons, such as the 82-83 season covered last week. I've also listened to most of the Chelsea specials. Thoroughly enjoyed them. Looking forward to more of them. Keep them coming. Thank you for your efforts in entertaining us Chelsea fans. Cheers, Jeff Stevenson. Very good. Top, top, top email, Jeff. Thank you for that. Um, and just very quickly on the Leeds thing. Of course, Leeds are, are back up to Division One. Which, sorry, the Premier League, which uh, Freudian slip. Uh, which, of course, I'm delighted about. Uh, and it's been weird this week on Twitter with a lot of people not seeming to understand why we hate Leeds. We all hate Leeds and Leeds and Leeds. Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds. We all fucking hate Leeds. And Leeds! Because we do. But it's got nothing to do with Beelzebub or him spying on Frank Lampard when he was Derby County's manager. We didn't give two shits about that. It's the fact that Leeds United and, and, and uh, Chelsea kicked lumps out of each other off and on the pitch in the 60s and the 70s. You know, they hate us. They hate us. And we don't like them much either. And the, one of the best games in recent memory, even though it was under the awful Benitez year, uh, was when we went up to play Leeds away in the Capital One Cup, as it was then, I think. And we smashed them 5-1, and we took a lot of fans up there, and a right old rum mob they were. There's a, there's an amazing photograph taken of the Chelsea end with steam rising <laughs> above a lot of very bald, uh, you know, kind of 50-year-plus heads. And it looked like a scene out of, um, oh, for God's sake, that French uh, thing, Jonathan, about the revolution. What was it? What was that film called? Uh, La Revolution. No, it wasn't that. You know what I mean. Come on, you're the lovey. You're supposed to know stuff like this. Oh, what? Um, um, uh, Les Miserables. Oh, Pimpernel. Oh, no. Les Miserables. <laughs> I had a vision of, an, of a 1930s black and white film. No. I thought you made a reference to, to some obscure, um, not obscure, some famous 1930s French actor that I was supposed to then just suddenly come up with, which I should have done because I, yeah, I know the era. Yeah, um, 
miserable. What I loved about that game, which is I was late for it, and because um, I was coming up from town, and I got there with about uh, just by almost half time, and um, I still got in, got there, and the fact that we were kept in at the end for ages, and in that period they sang every conceivable song together, everybody in there, and it was absolutely joyous being among including a group of, group of yeah, including what. Jimmy Savile, he's one of your own. Yes, yes they did sing that one. Yeah, they did. <laughs> but it, um, it was great. Yeah, anyway. Um, Dane and Nick, Dane, are you happy that Leeds are back? Obviously, I can remember the hatred. I remember going up there as a teenager when we uh, beat them 3-2. Johnny Spencer, did he score one or two that day? Uh, I've been up there a couple of times for a weekend as well. It's, it's a nice night out up there. They're nice mm. people. I wasn't too offended when I when I mentioned I was Chelsea. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I think we'll thump them both times, but you know, I'm glad to have them back. Just for sometimes, I think is there too many rivals in the Premier League? But this is a proper old one for us. It is. It this is. Goes back, and uh, it's it, nice to just to thump them again to send them. I reckon they'll go. I think Dan Silver might have said. I think they'll go straight back down. Or oh, please, can they? I'd like them to. Yeah, yeah that'd be funny, particularly if we send them down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick, are you really pleased to have the fans that sing Get Thy Father's Gun and Shoot the Chelsea Scum back to you, the Premier League? Oh, he's muted. How about I unmute myself? Um, <laughs> I think it'll be an interesting addition to Chelsea's already full slate of current rivals. Um, you know, I think one of the things we've learned over the last four or five years is that there is no easy match in the Premier League, even Norwich. Um, and so if you're looking at Leeds as another one of those games that you really get up for, it doesn't leave many matches in your season where you can kind of just coast in and, and get a victory. Um, so to me, it'll be really nice to kind of have that back and and see kind of how the rivalry evolves because it's been, what, 16 years since they've been yeah, I was at the so. game. I was at the game. I was at the game that sent them down. It was Ranieri's last game. So, so. there you go. Um, yeah, it's a proper rivalry, mate. They hate us. We hate them. It, it's proper. And I know it's weird because they're miles away and stuff. But for my generation in particular, a little bit older than my generation particularly, they, they were the main rivals. All right. Last of the week, I shall whiz through this. No uh, offence, James. James Giffin. Dear Chidge and the Band of Merry Men, first of all, I must say that I am forever in your debt for making my workday go faster and therefore more enjoyable. I discovered your podcast early this year when I started a new job, so I've got 500 plus hours of material to get me by. Yeah, and the rest, mate. Uh, It's refreshing to listen to a podcast where it's not all shouting and swearing. No, actually, no, that is that is what ours. Oh, right, okay. And the demand for sackings immediately after a loss. No, I don't think we go that far, James. That's true. Uh, I'm a member of the Chelsea FC Supporters Club of Western Australia since I moved to Perth in 2012. We meet up as often as we can. Only time difference can make this tricky when we have a 3 or 4 a.m. kickoff. I'm from Salcombe in South Devon originally, and I have my dad to thank for ending up as a Chelsea fan. He was a frequent visitor to Stamford Bridge in the 70s and the 80s and early 90s, so like many veteran fans of the Blues, he's seen it all. Having been born in 89, two weeks before we got our final promotion to Division 1, I'm somewhat lucky to have never witnessed the dire yet memorable days of yesteryear playing on ploughed fields with more seats on the pitch than in the stands. (laughs) 
Weirdly enough, uh, with Plymouth Argyle being my nearest professional team, most of my friends, near enough all of my school, were Man United or Liverpool fans. Yeah, not not Plymouth, obviously. Uh, So going to school most weeks were not something I looked forward to, except for the odd cup we used to win in late May. My first game was a pre-season friendly against Argyle at Home Park in 1995 or 96. My dad struggles to remember, although his memory is all supporters shouting taxi at Dennis Wise. Mm. I won't go into detail. I will. Yeah, Dennis uh, allegedly beat up some taxi driver, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I remember that. A bit yeah. naughty, yeah. yeah. Um, having, that's right. Uh, having grown up several miles an hour from London without a lot of money, I only made two games in 16 years. The first at home was against Villa in the 1999-2000 season. 1-0, Ugo Ekiog own goal. And then I had to wait to the Community Shield in 05-06 at Cardiff, where we beat Arsenal 2-1. I almost immediately after that game joined the army and was sent after that to Yorkshire and then on to Germany. So then it was almost impossible to make games. I did, however, go to the Chelsea versus West Ham game where Torres scored his maiden goal. Uh, funnily enough, Bobby Delcini, who you heard from earlier, who's from Australia, he was over for that match and he actually had a T-shirt saying pretty much, I was there when Torres scored with the date of the match on it. Fantastic. Anyway... Uh, subsequently celebrated right in front of me in the Matty Harding lower the relief for the guy was overwhelming and the noise was incredible that's one of my favourite moments as a Chelsea fan even though it ended up being a trophyless season after that there were other games of significance the 11-12 season where Juan Mata scored on his debut against Norwich Williams late winner uh, against Everton in 14-15 and Ivanovic's winner against Liverpool on the second leg of the League Cup only a couple of weeks later Going back in time slightly, the 97-98 season was right up there for me as a fan as we were in Europe, so trying to pronounce those strange names was part of the experience. The games were, I believe, on Channel 5, which we couldn't pick up very well where we live, so when we played Tromso away, we could just about see what was going on thanks to the heavy snow and the interference of the woeful TV reception. We also that season signed my favourite player of the time, <coughs> Torre Andre Flo, I made a scrapbook of Chelsea victories that season. I remember his picture in the papers regularly. Amazing what 350 grand could get get you back then. Absolutely. Back to the future now. I think Lampard will win trophies here with a bit of patience and good investment. Uh, We'll catch that lot from the north soon enough. Werner and Zayic have the pace and directness that will make most defenders butt cheeks clench. The defence obviously needs work, but look around the leagues and you'll see a pattern emerging with a lack of hard, tough, Rosette kicking centre-backs of previous years. Shame. Keep up the good work. James. Well, James, what a top email to round things up this evening. Uh, very much appreciated. Uh, glad to hear from you. Glad you found the podcast. Uh, and, of course, for everybody else, thank you so much for your emails. We love getting them every week. As you know, we don't care how long we do this for. We read the damn things out because that's how we roll. So if you want to send one in, you send it to chelseafancast at gmail.com, preferably before a Monday, because I tend to do the scripts on a Sunday. Twitter, of course, at chelseafancast. Instagram at chelseafancast. And Dane sends them through to me. Jonathan. Uh, Great. I just love the mail. They're all great mails. Just sort of fantastic, particularly when they come from all around the world, as always. (coughs) Absolutely brilliant. And just to say that um, Ugo Ekiog is one of those players who nobody knew how to pronounce his name. And his name is, in fact, Iago as in Shakespeare, yeah. and yet he got called yeah. Ekiog because somebody clearly early on thought, how do you pronounce that? Oh, but, uh, Ekiog? That's it! We'll call him Ekiog from now on. And a Nigerian friend who said to me, why? Why is he being called that? His name's Yago, as in as in um, uh, Othello. Um, but anyway, just thought I'd add that little bit of culture. 
Much appreciated, as always, JK. Thank you. That's why we have you on the show. Oh, I didn't realise that. More culture. Yep. Okay, thank you. I told you, you're the lovey. We expect you to come up I with I'm a lovey. Like I'm, I'll come up with some more analysis of 1930s French films for next week. All right. I heard I heard somebody refer to you to as an as a as a national a national treasure last week, and he's, he's the, you are the quintessential kind of eccentric actor. I type. got called a, a Z lister on uh, YouTube, you? yeah, which I thought was um, was I thought was was spot on actually. Thought it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> My wife calls me that. She says, you know, when when she talks to her friends at work, and they, oh, what does your husband do? And she kind of reels off all the things. That I do. She, he said he he's kind of a Z list celebrity, really. You know, I think, thank you. Um, anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, that, I'm afraid, is all we've got time for this week. We will be back next Monday uh, to look back at the Liverpool and the Wolves matches, obviously. Uh, we'll also be looking ahead uh, <clears throat> to the FA Cup final, I'm glad to say. Now, I will be joined by, of course, His Royal Highness Jonathan Kidd, Clayton Beerman and Tony Glover. And, of course, uh, b- before that, we will have another edition of My Chelsea uploaded this week as Mr Brandon Busby of London is Blue, discussing with me how he became a Chelsea supporter, his favourite players and matches growing up, and his best and worst moments as a Chelsea fan. Uh, and of course, as you should all know by now, the Chelsea Fancast is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, as well as other podcast distributors. And uh, talking of which, you can also find the Chelsea Fancast and all sorts of other Chelsea podcasts, like London is Blue, for example. That's all you really need, us and them. Uh, But it's all on the CFC Blues app, as they so eloquently put here. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Now, don't, uh, no, 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 I've done that bit, so I don't have to do that. Great, I'll get off scot-free. Just enough time to tell you that we are on Twitter. Who knew? There are, there are people yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who know that we are on Twitter. But the handles are at Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stamford Chidge. Jonathan is Jonathan Kidd. Uh, Dane is... I never remember Dane's because I, I haven't written it in here. Dane, remind me. D-Wit uh, is nine, that, Yeah, D-Wit with a number nine, yeah. There we go. Uh, at Dean Mears, our writer for the Fancast website. At Gate17Marco. At Joe Tweedy. At Goalie59. At Grocerjet UK. At Martin Wickham. At Dan Silve73. At Liam underscore Toomey. And of course, last but by no means least, CFCGWLB. And of course, Nick is at Nick Villaney. But the main handle for you guys is London Blue Pod, isn't it? That is correct. Get on it, people. You know it makes sense. Right. Uh, it really is time to go. It's been a bit of a marathon tonight, but it's been a highly enjoyable one. Uh, um, in no particular order, Dane, I go top left. For, it's, like, it's like Celebrity Squares, isn't it? Dane, top left. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, been an honour, to be honest. Nice to see you and Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be on with Nix's face as well. Yes. Sorry, sorry that we you you feel that we tomorrowed you. We'll, we'll rectify this. <laughs> furlonged, you know. Later, I said up to tune well, in to find out. I and I and many others was furlonged. <laughs> I mean, Dane. In all honesty, I wouldn't I wouldn't survive doing this show without you because you're the only one that ever says to me, "Chid, you do realise you've got your your dates mixed up." That's when you answer me back. Well, that's when I was. I'm a busy man. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I told you it's like getting hold of the Pope. But uh, I'd be I'd be stuffed without you spotting the obvious kind of Captain Mannering errors. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Dave. Great to have you on the show. You're it's welcome. been too long. You're dead right. Now, um, it's only been ooh, three, and a, three and a bit years since we last had Nick on the show. So I look forward to seeing you in about three and a half years' time, <laughs> Nick. 
Yeah, I should we should book in for what twenty twenty three? Just yeah, I'm just taking bookings now. Taking bookings <laughs> for twenty forty actually, as it as it as it happens. No, nah, nah, in all serious. You, you know, you know, I love you guys, and and genuinely appreciate all you guys have done for for the Chelsea community, and uh, it's an honor to be on. I should say. Well, the honour is ours, Nick. It's lovely having you. I mean, apart from everything else, you're a damn fine bloke and a great buddy to go drinking with. You love Chelsea. That kind of does it for me. But you also <laughs> know your football, and I think you more than more than proved that tonight because, as you well know, whilst we might not go in for all the stats and that kind of analysis that a lot of other people do, we do know our football on this show, and we do like to talk about it amongst all of the cocking around, which we also like a lot. Uh, and you fit right in. So well done, mate. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Do send my love to both Brandon Brandon and Dan, of course. Dan the man. I'm going to start using now, that accent with Brandon. Brandon. Uh, I apologise we put you through the uh, um, the uh, ironic warrior. I don't. Ironic <laughs> warrior moment. But anyway, I apologise. Yeah, you're a good sport, Nick. Well done. And as for you, Mr. Kidd, as always, a delight and a pleasure. Thank you. And I'm sorry I lost my head. My head got bigger and went red when I was <laughs> discussing transfers. But... Well, I think maybe what we'll do, you know, because you've got to think about shows to do in the in the, in the the off-season, the kind of two weeks of it that it'll be. I think we might have to do a, a, a transfer special and just, like, feed you with lots of bullshit and just let you rant for two hours. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> hilarious well i'd like to All find right. out exactly how many players we've been associated linked with this year so i knew i shouldn't have i knew <laughs> we're right at the end of the show again. what do i do off again how how you know how long have i been doing this you would have thought i knew by now wouldn't you All right. jonathan as always you've, you've been brilliant pleasure having you on the show Thank you. mix of people you've been superb tonight absolutely superb uh pete four two actually just says chidge your throat sounds like it needs a beer bloody right mate and somebody <laughs> else said something uh, oh, here we go. I, I knew I meant to read this out earlier on. MHL Gate 14, who, who I, I'm growing fonder and fonder of every week, says, JK, can you please come and read my kids' bedtime stories? <laughs> well, funnily enough, um, I, I'm already on several CDs by a company called Osborne Books, if you can get hold of them. I think you'll have to find them in the charity shops because I did them about 15 years ago. But um, I've done uh, Farmyard Tales and um, done some biblical stories as well, which was, you know, I got paid. I was happy to do that. Um, and uh, and various other um, zoo animal tales and things. So uh, look them up, except my name's very small. It was Usborne Books, U-S-B-O-R-N-E, Usborne. And uh, at the bottom, it says narrated by Jonathan Kidd. And it's normally on a CD. So, um, uh, but uh, alternatively, um, uh, I could read a story out if they want. I'm quite happy to do that. Just get to listen to the fan cast, mate. As yeah, as that. Cut out the bits they could, we don't. They could speak. fall asleep listening, couldn't they? Yeah, but uh, I know. but yeah, if they if you wants me to read a little story out, um, email me on um, kid. Jo- oh, we tw- tweet me, but kidjonathan at gmail dot com, and I'll um, mm. I'll read it out and send you an MP three. I'm happy to do that. How about that? Look at that. Jesus. He's all heart, mate. I mean, whatever I said about him is clearly not true. He's the loveliest person in the world. I'm the loveliest Z lister there is. You are a loon, mate, an utter loon. I love you. Well done, mate. I hope that makes your evening, MHL. Uh, you know, he'll do it. There you go. He says, fantastic. Cheers, mate. Well, Kidjonathan at gmail.com. K-Y-D-D-J-O-N-A-T-A. No, they're all, they're all at it now. I'll have one of them, Jonathan. JK, JK, tell me a story. I'm going to stop before we go out of control. Not that we haven't already. Uh, you guys have been brilliant. Mixler people, you're fantastic too. Uh, we'll be back next Monday. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chels. Chels! <laughs> <laughs>
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.